the pavilion and neck. <laughs> neck. We would just neck. neck. Where did that Neckin. term come from, necking? Well, that's what it kind of looks like. You know, if you were looking at two people, like, sort of from a distance, it looks like they're just bumping necks. Joining necks? <laughs> yeah. Over there necking. Yeah, maybe you kiss the neck. No. Francisco <laughs> Cervelli. Happy neck day. Cervelli, do you neck? No. 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 No neck. Not for me. I steal it the best. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's three minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. 68 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Bill Cosby is trying to appeal his sexual assault conviction. The 81-year-old was just sentenced to three to ten years in prison for drugging and sexually assaulting Andrea Constand in 2004. He and his legal team are arguing that there were multiple errors in his trial, including the judge allegedly factoring in testimonies from other accusers and labeling him a sexually violent predator. They're asking the court to overturn that case. Cosby is being held in total confinement at a correctional institution in eastern Pennsylvania. Google Plus is reportedly shutting down after private data from hundreds of thousands of users was exposed. The Wall Street Journal first reported Google discovered that data breach last March but kept it private. The software bug exposed data, including names, email addresses, birth dates, and other personal information of Google Plus users between 2015 and 2018. It also allowed access to profile data data of friends of users. Google said it found no evidence any of the information was misused. And another Facebook hoax making the rounds. The latest involves users thinking their accounts have been cloned with a message saying the cloned account has been making friend requests. The user is then asked to forward the message to their friends. The chain reaction has led to thousands upon thousands of people receiving the pointless message. While there have been instances of cloned accounts looking to pilfer personal info, there is not currently a major problem on the social media site. If people were as worried about things that matter as they are about a hoax like this, we would probably be in a lot better place in this world. <laughs> because every single person I know was bothered by this. Worried, sending out alerts. Thought they were uh, under attack and sending me messages saying that I was cloned, they were cloned, we've all been cloned. I don't know. You should have replied with, how do I know this is really you? Well, what I did say was that I, I you know, if someone does get friended by a clone uh, of mine, please let me know because I got a bunch of stuff coming up I don't want to do and I'm hoping <laughs> the clone will do it. <laughs> then I realized I think that's a Kathy cartoon and I felt really dumb about it. <laughs> But, you know, um, people are so wrapped up in what their Facebook life and their social media life is. It's, And I like to act like I'm above it. Like, I'm watching. <laughs> and I'm but just like, you people. But I'm in, yeah. You're at the party. You're just the guy at the punch bowl making fun of the party. And I'm one of those people who's like, no, I like to use it just for the, th- for the music and mm-hmm. the pop culture stuff. That's why I like it. But you can't not get wrapped up in the other stuff if you're there. It just happens. It's quicksand. Yeah. You get on there for one thing and you get smacked up with three other things. And then three hours later, you're like, I hate everyone. Why did I do this? Yep. And uh, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's a big mistake to assume that you're safe and your information is not out there. Your information is out there. All you know, it your doesn't stuff, matter what, where you are or what yeah. you use. 
if you've shopped at Target if or you if you're on cre- Facebook. If you use or, a credit card anywhere or yeah. a debit card, yeah, it's out you're there. at risk. So put in place as many security measures as you can on your credit cards and your bank accounts and Here's your credit problem. report. Freeze your credit report if you can. Well, the problem is, is that uh, I've created, you know, secondary um, identification pass. I'm locked out of all my stuff. Two-factor <laughs> authentication. I can't yeah. get in. Yeah. It's great. Well, so I never I, gave okay. Facebook my phone number, and they want it. Yeah, they want it mm-hmm. so bad. They yeah. are standing on me in a big way, man. They really want my phone number. It's creepy. Like, it, I wanted to be like. Because once they get your phone number, they get all your contacts. They really want my phone number. Just give them your phone number. You know and what? It, give them your clone's phone number. I if somebody asks for my phone number, I always give them the front desk at DVE. <laughs> I've done that before. I yeah. do. It. Oh, that's what I always do. I give them my home phone tele, like my home phone number from when I was a kid. Oh, that's a good one. Because the landline is still hooked up, but it's like a dead line. I thought about doing it with my dad's phone number just to piss him off, but <laughs> just to piss your dad off. Yeah, because he's got nothing going on right now. <laughs> you know, just to generate some calls up his way. Yeah, just to get him wondering what's going on. <laughs> what the hell's going on? It's busier than hell over here. <laughs> got Facebook headquarters calling me every couple of minutes. <laughs> a Netflix subscriber in India is seeking professional help after realizing he needed to chill out on the streaming service. The 26-year-old checked himself into the National Institute of Mental Health and neurosciences in Bangalore last week. He admitted to binging on Netflix, watching more than seven hours a day in an attempt to escape his reality of having been unemployed for six years and the stress that came with all that. Oh, my Which, God. I, that sounds completely normal to me. Yes. I mean, if you're trying to escape reality. Uh, typical Netflix users watched an average of 50 minutes a day last year. He's the one guy... You know how, like, whenever anybody would sell you an all in, all-inclusive like cruise where they would say oh you know it's this much but it's unlimited booze and you can really make it up if you drink like a fifth and a half a day Mm -hmm. that's the guy who netflix is losing money on (laughs) just he watches seven hours a day Mm -hmm. everybody else is like a movie a week every other week binge a show don't watch anything for two weeks yeah it that's i I'm hot and cold with it. There are times where I am just all over it, and there's a show I really wanted to see. I was excited because uh, Big Mouth season two came out, and I really liked the first year or season of it. Mm-hmm. Is that the cartoon with Nick Kroll? Yes, and you know I put it on while I was doing stuff around the house because it's a cartoon. It doesn't need my rapt attention, you know. <laughs> like whatever. If I catch most of it, good. Uh, but it it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. I think they kind of hurried the season two up. I'll have to give it a bit uh, more of a chance, but. Uh, that that's kind of how I watch a lot of that stuff, but Maniac was a show I got into. I really dug Maniac because it's super weird. It's all over the place, and once you finish the show, you're like, all right, well, I'm done. Like it's sad. It's a, it's kind of depressing to go through like the documentaries on Netflix and realize, yeah, I watched all these. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. See, I want the sad go- documentaries. I want to go on there and just do reconnaissance one time, like spend an hour and not actually have anything in mind to watch, but go on there. Because if I don't go on there with an intention to watch a specific thing, I get lost. Yeah, just searching can be fun. Yeah. 
Busy Phillips is accusing James Franco of assault. The actress claims in her new book that Franco once threw her to the ground after she hit him while filming a scene for their 90s show Freaks and Geeks. She also called him a bully and said everyone on the set feared him. Franco was just accused of sexually exploitive behavior by five women earlier this year. And finally, the next release from Bruce Springsteen's live archives is from June 16th, 2003 in Helsinki, Finland, the first release from the Rising Tour. The reason it took so long for songs from this tour to surface was technical issues used in the recording and making those files compatible with today's playback devices. Among the 25 songs on this set are nine from the Rising, mixed in with Born in the USA, Prove It All Night, the Promised Land, Badlands, Thunder Road, Born to Run, and Seven Nights to Rock. You can get more details at live.brucespringsteen.net. Sunny, hot, and humid again today, mid-80s for the high. It is 67 at DBE. All right, uh, we have uh, Zebra Talk coming up with Gene Steratore a little bit later on this morning. Excited to talk to him, given what Mike Tomlin had to say about the, the officiating and the rules in the NFL. Charlie Batch will be live in studio. We'll talk with Cam Hayward after his huge game on Sunday. He also had a discussion with the defensive backs and told them to get their bleep together before this game. Well, it worked. Nice job, Cam. Maybe Cam should just go around and do this in office places all over town. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Parkway West outbound right now, totally just a parking lot. Yeah, so, there was an accident by Carnegie. So if, you had, if you're heading out that way, just be prepared to uh, be hanging with us a little bit longer than you had planned. Also, we've got the, uh, for those jumping back on the Steelers bandwagon, the Pittsburgh bandwagon, Kings for you a little bit later on this morning. And my plea to people who shout Heath at uh, Jesse James, uh, I, I think it's time for a change. It is. It's yep. time to move on. Your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, the Pub at Tony Dale in Oakdale. $3.16 ounce Bud Light drafts during all Steeler games, the Pub at Tony Dale in Oakdale. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. The DVE Halloween party this year, October 26th. It's none other than Alice Cooper. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster, the Stage AE box office. I mean, what a way to have a Halloween party. Alice frickin' Cooper's with us. Get on board, folks. It's going to be awesome. I'm super pumped for this one, man. It's Randy Bauman and the DV Morning Show. Bill Crawford, Val Porter, Alice Cooper there. He's going to be headlining our Halloween party this year, October 26th at Stage AE. I'm surprised there's still tickets for that, to be quite honest with you. I don't think there are a ton. Okay. I bet the stage is going to look awesome for the Halloween show. Oh, yeah, man. No doubt about it. But it's it's the way to spend your, your Halloween Friday. It's the Friday before Halloween, so I'm guessing that's when all the parties are going to be Friday and Saturday of that weekend. Yeah, can't have it after though. After Halloween is after Halloween. Can't have it's Thanksgiving then. <laughs> yeah, like even if Halloween falls on a Thursday night, you can't have a party on a Friday. So you're saying I can't dress in my costume to go to Thanksgiving dinner? You can, provided that you go as a pilgrim. <laughs> you know, everyone's How funny would that be. Everyone has to dress like a pilgrim this year. Uh, <laughs> why not? Uh, that's cultural appropriation, though, isn't it? Well, not if your no, family came over I mean, on the Mayflower. That happened. Right. Was... Just cultural recognition. Okay, that's the way to say it. I, I, that's the way I like to say it. All right. Um, every once in a while, you get an obituary from somebody who lets you know what their sense of humor was like in life. And they want to let people know on their way out that they didn't take things too seriously. In the Washington PA Observer Reporter recently. This is amazing. This obituary was posted for Larry Deemer. And 
I can only imagine that Larry is thrilled that we're sharing this. Otherwise, I wouldn't. But he clearly right. want, wanted people to hear this. Right. And it needs to be shared. It's, it's pretty great. Larry C. Deemer, 69, was stamped return to center Tuesday, <laughs> October 2nd, 2018. He was born May 10th, 1949 in Elwood City to Claire and Mary Deemer. He attended Seneca Valley High School and graduated from Slippery Rock University. At age six, as his father realized Larry's potential, his dad promptly had himself neutered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Uh, Larry most prided himself on the fact that upon his high school graduation, six of his teachers required psychiatric treatment for chronic depression <laughs> and suicidal thoughts. Not often do you hear the word suicide being used in an obituary about somebody else. Uh, during his collegiate tenure, Larry was a three-year starter on the basketball team, establishing scoring records and national free throw percentages. I guess he was... I, I don't know which don't part know of this is true in this. That sounds true. Like, that's... That's not extreme enough to be a joke, you know what I mean? I But there's a few things like that in here, which I don't know what is and what isn't a joke. <laughs> we got to reach out to the Deemer family. <laughs> Once he left college, Larry briefly, very briefly, earned a living as a male stripper. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds true. Facing impending bankruptcy. See, that's pretty funny. <laughs> you know, he, he couldn't make any money as a stripper. Uh, he taught and coached a variety of sports in Peters Township School District. Eventually, he became a supervisor for 26 years with Consolidated Coal. During his coal mining tenure, his most noteworthy accomplishment was amassing 18 pairs of channel locks and 127 rolls of P-tape. I'm guessing that has something that, to do with a, the job. That's a coal joke? It's, a, it's job specific. <laughs> yeah. Super but, inside. No, 18% of the population or, uh, of our audience right now gets that probably. Following an early retirement, Larry formed a construction company and returned to college receiving a pastoral certification. Okay, again, I don't know if this is true or not. Sounds the, true. The next phase of his life found him ministering at Upper Ten Mile Presbyterian Church for 17 years. He was passionate about short-term mission trips, which specialized in rebuilding flood and wind-damaged homes, participating in over 30 trips and visiting 12 states in the process. Now that, that, that sounds true. Sounds true. Larry had a plethora of interests, including occasionally dressing up as a woman, playing cornhole with kittens, and eating. Those all sound true. His favorite entree was cherry pie. Free cherry pie, to be exact. <laughs> he was able to sub substitute his pastoral salary by frequently visiting the Wheeling Art Institute, where he posed for aspiring student sculptors whose interest was creating images of Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> he loved to tell stories and freely admitted that a portion of what he said was true, but never disclosed which portion. To the astonishment of many, on May 10th, 97, he wed the love of his life, Gretchen Gattrell. Quite often, he was quizzed as to how he was able to corral such a young beauty, and he admitted lying to her, claiming he was filthy rich. <laughs> Larry and Gretchen, blessed with the birth of two children, Brooke and Colby, surviving in addition to his wife and two children, Aura brother, Jerry of Harrisburg, sister, Sally Happel of Denver, Colorado. Above all, Larry's greatest love, was that of his Lord Jesus Christ. And his most sincere wish was that everyone would come to know the love of God as he did. In lieu of flowers, the family asked for those who are willing to attend a church of their choice, and secondly, to break wind in a public setting. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it very, I like that. A very clever way. He's trying to say, hey, go find the Lord. Also, you know, blow a fart for me. <laughs> in my honor. Just float an air biscuit.
<laughs> and then it talks about visitation. Any person attending, any person attending who cries will kindly be asked to vacate the premises. He obviously wants to have a lighthearted ceremony. This is a very funny obituary. I, I mean, I, sounds I, like a great guy. Yeah, thoughts and prayers to the family uh, of Larry Demers. But boy, he's he seemingly had a pretty great and fulfilled life there. Um, taken a little too young, but that's a hell of a sense of humor to have on the way out. No doubt. <laughs> that's that's legendary. Don't stuff send right there. flowers. Just fart in public for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Mike's coming in next. He's got your sports uh, on the way for you. Coach Tomlin will be talking with the media today. Crucial, crucial month coming up here for the Steelers because you got basically three division games in a row over the course of four weeks with the bye week there in the middle. And that's going to determine what goes on for your season here. Got to take two of those three at least. It's an uphill battle because the Steelers farted in public in September. (laughs) They sure did. Also, Drew Brees uh, sets the mark last night. Mike will have the full details when we come back. Sports next on DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pasuda's got your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike? Sports is out brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. There is a new all-time passing leader in the National Football League. Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints completed... 26 of 29 passes for 363 yards and three touchdowns in the Saints' 43-19 victory over the Redskins last night. Breeze uh, passes Peyton Manning's career total of 71,940 yards. He now sits number one on the NFL's all-time list at 72,103. Not bad for a second-round pick who was... uh, wasn't good enough to beat out Philip Rivers, and and was uh, a questionable free agent signing because of a shoulder injury. Yep, I and, remember that. And how do you like him now? Pretty amazing stuff. Twenty six to twenty nine. Yeah, he had a huge night on top of setting the record. Rookie wide receiver Traquan Smith caught a sixty two yard touchdown pass. That was the record breaker. Yeah, hit it at home on a long touchdown. Pretty cool stuff for Drew Brees. On a night when uh, the Redskins just weren't playing any defense and, and and revealed themselves to also be a terrible football team. <laughs> yes. You know, so as, uh, that helps. As somebody observed on Twitter yesterday, it really was Columbus Day. The Indians, Braves, and Redskins all got slaughtered. <laughs> 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 we'll get to the other two in a minute. Steelers still uh, basking in the glow, if you will, of that 41-17 Victory on Sunday over Atlanta at Heinz Field. Uh, we talked a lot yesterday about all that went well on offense, defense, and special teams. One of the things we didn't hit very hard was uh, the defensive substitution pattern. They actually got through it. You know, they used a lot of guys. They had different packages in the secondary, even at linebacker, replacing Vince Williams with multiple people based on situation. And they didn't screw anything up. Here's yeah. Sean Davis. There you go. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we did a good job getting people in and out. No 12-man on the field penalties this game. Um, so we did a good job communicating, better job communicating, and uh, we're just trying to stack them. Yeah, it tells you a little bit about where you are when you can celebrate not getting a 12-man on the field penalty. Well, the guys that, that, that I was watching the game with were livid at those those substitutions. They're like, hey, no wonder they can't communicate. Half their communication is introducing each other to them. 
You know, introducing themselves to each other. Lot hey, of, how are you? I'm the new linebacker. A lot of moving parts, but uh, Joe Hayden said they knew it was going to be that way going in, and they made sure they uh, emphasized handling it. We emphasize really big on just making sure the communication on who's coming in, who's coming out, uh, personnel's um, checks, calls, and everything. So everybody was echoing SD, uh, Terrell, um, everybody in the back end was helping all the linebackers. So it just we just were echoing calls, and everybody was on the same page. It was no no bust. Steelers getting ready for the Bengals in Cincinnati on Sunday, then a bye, then Cleveland here, then at Baltimore. Welcome to the critical stretch of the 2018 season. College football, uh, the latest AP Top 25. West Virginia moves up three spots to number six. Penn State moves up three spots to number eight. Alabama still number one with 59 of a possible 61 first place votes. Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame round out the top five. Notre Dame is hosting Pitt this week. Penn State hosts Michigan State. Uh, baseball playoffs, uh, the Boston Red Sox hammered the Yankees last night 16-1 to at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> at Yankee Stadium. To take a two games to one lead. You remember Brock Holt played a handful of games for the Pirates in 2012? About as much as uh, I should, given that exposure. Well, he played. Uh, he did something memorable last night. He played uh, second base and first base for the Red Sox last night, and he hit for the cycle. Four for six with five RBI. Home run to finish it off, right? Red Sox have a chance to eliminate the Yankees in game four tonight. If uh, the Yankees win, then game five would be played Thursday in Boston. Uh, back to the Columbus Day festivities. The Astros eliminated the Indians 11-3, to <laughs> taking that series three games to none, and the Dodgers took care of the Braves 6-2. to two. L.A. wins that series three games to one. All of a sudden, baseball hits the brakes now. You got one game tonight, nothing tomorrow, and maybe one Thursday, maybe not. Teams just got shellacked. Yeah. The Brewers swept. And last but not least, Penguins getting ready for Vegas on Thursday, and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and Mike Sullivan not happy that uh, they've given up 11 goals in their first two games. Uh, Ole Matta feeling the coach's wrath. He was not practicing with the top six yesterday. He was bumped down to the fourth defensive pairing with Chad Ruedel. Uh, Mike Sullivan going with Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang, Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz, and uh, finished rookie Yuso Rikola with Jamie Oleksiak. Rikola, the free agent from the Finnish League. Rikola. That's the guy that surprised everybody in training camp. But according to uh, our colleague Phil Bork, he was a coveted free agent. And he picked the Penguins. And he picked the Penguins. Yeah. Apparently Bill Guerin got him drunk in Finland. Hey, I don't know if that actually happened. But no, it, I mean, sounds plausible. That's, it does sound that's, very plausible. That's what I gleaned from the story that we were told. Yeah, Bill Guerin got him drunk and he signed him. Yeah, it's like how they used to get guys in the Navy back in the day. Look at that, or just hit him over the head and drag him onto the boat. Onto the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Guerin kind of did that. Saw all that yesterday. I watched uh, part of Gangs of New York again yesterday. Oh, what a classic! Why did I watch Five that? Yes. Because I was flipping channels and it was on. And then you have to leave it on. I mean, you, you could immediately come up with five movies that you leave on every time you see it. Godfather, Goodfellas, Gangs of New York is one for me, too. Me, too. That's The f- Departed. The Departed. That's, the Departed. F- that's four. Moneyball. Yeah. Moneyball's a good one. I just... It's not on as much as those right. other ones. Beaches. Right, and, yeah. <laughs> and beaches. Also beaches. Whenever you need a good cry. Thanks, pal. What do you got? <laughs> 
Uh, we're going to talk about one of those idiotic gender reveal parties that really got out of hand. Right on. Steelers wheel. DVE. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Your home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Heath Miller will likely go down as the greatest tight end in Steelers history. This is indisputable. In 11 seasons, Miller won two Super Bowls, played 168 games for the Steelers, the most in team history. During that time, he tallied 592 receptions, 6,569 receiving yards, and 45 touchdowns. And he did it without celebrating. All records for a Steelers tight end. Records that will likely never be broken. Steeler fans were so enamored with Heath's ability. when We all took to yelling, Heath, after every single one of those 592 receptions because Heath's a badass and it's fun to yell, Heath. But Heath hasn't played for a number of years. (laughs) He's in Virginia and he can't hear you. And it's time to stop yelling his name every time Jesse James catches the ball. Here's why. Number one, Jesse James is not named Heath. (laughs) This is really the most important reason I can give you for not yelling it at him. Number two, imagine busting your butt your whole life to get to the top of your profession. Endless hours of blood, sweat, and tears. And when you finally did get to perform successfully at that highest of possible levels, everyone turned to you and said, Great job, Frederick! (laughs) And you ask around, why are they calling me Frederick? Ah, well, you see, the last guy that did your job was the best ever. That was Frederick. And you guys are both white, so naturally we call you Frederick, too. (laughs) And first you'd be like, hey, they're comparing me to Frederick. All right. This isn't so bad. Nobody's hazing me. Look, if pirate fans called Lanny for Terry the gunner instead of one of the many different expletives they hurled his way when he first started, he would have been thrilled. Eventually, however... Everyone wants and needs to carve out their own identity. Which brings me to number three. Psychologists say, if you're living in the future, you're anxious. If you're living in the present, you're zen. And if you're living in the past, you're a Steeler fan. (laughs) There's nothing a Steeler fan likes more than the past. When you go to a game, they're constantly showing footage of the old days, like your moo-moo-wearing aunt showing you the same old home movies every time you visit her house. It's charming, and it's great to remember those times, but there are actual living members of this family doing stuff now, Aunt Janet. Sorry I can't sit through another viewing of the silent film classic Pap Pap Loses His Shorts at the Wave Pool, (laughs) but your grandnieces have a soccer game in an hour. At last! At last! We must get past the past! Steeler fans, you can't make tight ends Heath again. That was then. This is now. It's never going to be like it used to be. These guys all celebrate disproportionate to their actual accomplishment. They're not really allowed to hit the quarterback anymore. And the coach wears athleisure wear on the sidelines for games. (laughs) Look, there's plenty of stuff I wish was more like the old days. For instance... I would love to see a black and gold sea of tailgaters and parking lots outside the stadium full of grills, coolers, corn rollers, and beer bongers. But now there's hardly enough room to cut into a sandwich ring in that parking garage-infested strip mall posing as a tailgate on the North Shore. <laughs> it's time Steeler fans came to this realization. Chuck Knoll isn't coaching. 
Bettis Why? isn't going to run for it on third and one. And Heath didn't get that first down. Jesse did. So let's all take the one foot we have securely lodged in the past and plan it right on the poorly sodded Heinz Field of today. And next time you feel the urge to yell, Heath! When a white Steelers tight end catches the ball, <laughs> turn it into, here we go, Steelers, here we go, Pittsburgh's going to the Super Bowl, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Collective Soul, all they do is make hits. That's all they do. You know what? I was never a Collective Soul fan, but I saw them live. And it's great. They're a really good live band. Now, and this was 15 years ago, but... I think I saw that show. Where was that? It was at, It was like a, one of our anniversary shows out at Burgettstown. And every song was a hit. Yeah. yeah I rem- I, I, they were really good live. Did you yell think Heath I, the whole time? <laughs> I think I was there. You probably were. Because I remember having this discussion. I can't even remember anymore. I know me either. You guys go to a lot of shows. I went and saw Steely Dan last night. How was that? It was it was pretty awesome. I'll I'll give you my review later on. Uh, suffice it to say, their crowd is older. Yeah. And it was a Monday night show, uh-huh. and it literally started at seven forty-five, which is a little little That's early. That's awesome. Totally. <laughs> Too bad they didn't do the early bird five o'clock. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Well, I think the crowd got to end an early bird happy hour situation because for a Monday night, this was a lit crowd of grandpaps and grandmas. I mean, the median age was definitely about, it was was north of 50. I'm north of 50. Yeah, but like. (laughs) You watch your mouth over there, Randy. (laughs) I'm saying median age. There were a lot of approaching 70s. Okay, You would have been a spring. spring chicken running around there val right like donald fagan's age there were a lot of older people there well hey today would have been john lennon's 78th birthday oh my god if he were alive today he'd be dead (laughs) maybe but it was a great show Uh, i'll tell you about it later on they sound fantastic it's weird that he doesn't mention walter becker ever i don't know maybe he did i left him from the record books I, I think they had like a weird relationship, but certainly not anything that I would have thought would have kept him from actually saying his name. Was when it, you say weird, what do you mean? Like, I think they were aloof? like intellectually at odds. Yeah, but not didn't hate each other. They had different ideas, and they were kind of you know like like a long marriage. Or kind of like I'm sick of Helen. I just want <laughs> I just want to have dinner with somebody else. And now he's in a new relationship, and he's like, I don't want to talk about Helen. Right. Yeah, it's kind of what, Ever it, again. Kind of what it feels like. Don't but, mention Helen around me. Badass, though. Great show, although they still struggle with the sound at Heinz Hall on those on those amplified shows. You want to see the symphony there? It's great. Go see a comic? It's great. You see a band? It's, it's a little tough. It is, yeah. It's a complete crapshoot. You have no idea what you're going to get. Uh, Valerie's News next. Uh, we're going to talk about a gender reveal party gone horribly wrong, and we'll talk about how much of a time and money suck kids really are. <laughs> also, you shot at a thousand bucks in workforce cash next. Berg. And in other airline news, do you have more confidence in your pilot based on his or her accent? Most Southern confidence. accents don't do it. 
We're going to stop over and get this son bitch. My brother-in-law needs a, <laughs> he needs a jump. We're going to have to start, Which start is out a little light. Texan is the number one accent people have the least confidence yeah, absolutely. in. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. New York. I think we can blow through this son bitch. <laughs> if they say captain, I'm always like, all right, get over it. <laughs> oh, you're such a big shot oh, flying this plane. I'm, I'm Captain and Coke. That's a quick joke for everybody, but I am a little hammered. Anyways, we're about to scoot off. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Uh, a lot of show left for you this morning. Traffic is kind of a mess. Parkway West still is outbound. Outbound. Just a complete parking lot right now. Uh, so Val will have the traffic updates it's for better. you there. It was backed up to Grant Street. Now it's just backed up to the tunnel. Oh, well, that's good. So that's it's nice. getting better. Yeah, about a half mile uh, progress there. Moving right along. Gene Steratore doing uh, Zebra Talk for you a little bit later on this morning. Also, Charlie Batch talking Steelers. And we'll have, we'll have our uh, our Tuesday hit with Cam Hayward. Carry on my Hayward son. will be 845 this morning. And he had a huge game Sunday, but he might have inspired the secondary to have their best game of the year. A pep talk he gave those guys being credited for uh, helping inspire their best performance of 2018 so far. Steelers now in a crucial part of the schedule with three division games coming up. Michael have more on that coming up. And Val's got your news right now. What's going on, Valerie? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. 67 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Florida is battening down the hatches for Hurricane Michael. Category 1 storm is expected to make landfall in the Florida Panhandle on Wednesday as a major hurricane. Governor Rick Scott warns that it could be the most destructive storm to hit that region in many years. One of the biggest threats will be that storm surge, which could be up to 12 feet. Time is running out to register to vote in next month's election. Pennsylvania elections officials say today is the deadline to register and change your voting address if you have moved since primary season. Voter registration can be done online at votespa.com or your local board of elections office. And there have been a lot of instances where people have been purged from voter rolls. So if you think you're safe and you've already registered and you've always been registered and there'll be no problem, double check today. Go check, make sure you're registered to vote because a lot of people have been having issues. They go to the polls on election day and their name's not there. And they say, well, I've been voting for 20 years and for some reason they're just not there. Pennsylvania's voter rolls were hacked earlier this year by the Russians. Mm-hmm. The story was in the Post-Gazette earlier this year. The extent to which any damage was done, I don't know, has even fully been reported. I don't think it was like a full, oh, they have control of everything. But what's all- that mean? Now Gino's governor? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I believe so. And his interpreters. Autumn Malkin write-ins. That's crazy. <laughs> Fetterman's going to still win for lieutenant governor, though, because he needs an enforcer. <laughs> That's right. Kids are expensive. Merrill Lynch just put out their annual report on the cost of raising a child in America. It now costs an average of $230,000 from birth through age 18. Oh, so that's, God. that's just to get him out of high school. One of the main reasons it's so high, they say, is because parents today feel pressure to buy their kids the stuff all the other kids have. Every moment of every day. And people know it's expensive to have a kid going in, but they don't realize how expensive. 73% of parents say they did weigh the financial aspect before they had a baby, but 90% were completely surprised by just how much it really costs. On the bright side, though, 94% say it's worth every penny. Oh. 
On the bright side, global warming is going to end the world before you have to full, pay out the full amount. <laughs> right. But some so other borrow all you can, yeah. everybody. Other bad news for parents, but if you're a parent, you probably already know this. Of all the things you sacrifice when you become a parent, the most noticeable one might be that you will never have any time to yourself ever again. A new study found the average parent only has 32 minutes to themselves every day. And but it's a nice 32 minutes. It really is. <laughs> that might be where it, when you're getting ready for work. <laughs> uh, the study also found parents spend an average of 18 hours a week taking care of their kids, which seems low. A week? I don't... I that's mean, like during two, school? That's like two plus out, 2.5 hours a day? Yeah, that doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, that's not a lot. That seems low, especially on the weekend. Uh, when you add that time that you're at work and you're sleeping, not much time left for yourself. But and, there is, you know, that's 32 minutes. I, I, I'll i tie my shoes. <laughs> for um, 32 minutes. Yeah, brush my teeth and just really just have at it. Now, my gums bleed quite a bit. <laughs> Because it's not good to brush your teeth for 32 minutes straight. But boy, is it nice. <laughs> brush gums down, Bill. Gums down. And, uh, you know, the gender reveal parties have yeah. just gotten out of hand. Well, it's, people need it, something to put on their timeline. I guess. A guy in Arizona facing a $220,000 fine for sparking a wildfire during a gender reveal party. Dennis Dickey is a Border Patrol agent, so last Dickey. year yep, he and his oh, wife Dickey. wanted to put on a big spectacle to reveal their baby's gender, so the guy shot a target filled with colored powder and some type of explosive. You well, hear what Dickey did? It was Dickie, a very... how much TNT did you put in there? <laughs> Dickey blew up the forest. As there probably probably are many, it was a dry, windy day in Arizona. The blast sparked a brush fire that quickly spiraled out of control and burned 47,000 acres and took 800 firefighters close to a week to get it under control. It caused $8 million in damage. Uh, The coverage of the story didn't say whether the couple is having a boy or a girl. Yeah, it's hard to tell with all the fire. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, you know, kids are bad for the environment, so why not just get right to it? I would have loved burn to burn it down, burn it all burn down, burn it all down. I would love to be. I, I want to see the video because you know they filmed it. Of the thirty seconds that encompasses the fifteen seconds before and the fifteen seconds after, just to hear how many ohs there were. So it's like, <laughs> damn it, Dicky, don't don't shoot that pile of dynamite. You shut the hell up. I know what I'm doing, Dolores. <laughs> I'm having a kid. I Dickie, got all don't the do C4. Dicky, don't do Uh oh. Dicky set the forest ablaze. Uh oh. They're not charging him with arson though because they say it was he didn't intend to do no, it. No, well, still. Yeah. On he just Sunday, spells out boy and ash. <laughs> you gonna name the kid? <laughs> you gotta name him Smokey or Ash or something <laughs> like that. On Sunday, the Browns won a big game against the Ravens, and to celebrate all their success, Bud Light is now selling the mini victory fridges, which are home versions of those fridges that Bud Light put all over town, yeah. which magically burst open to give out free beer after they won their first game. Uh, so for just 200 bucks, Browns fans can have a permanent reminder of that beautiful day the team finally won. And hopefully enjoy. I think it would a be few more. Be funny if they actually had those things and they had a lock like a, that they would only At open home? when they won. Yeah, so like you have you this in your house. Remote control. The, yeah, the, I'm afraid uh, it would lock. take a lot of abuse. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't get over how happy Hugh Jackson was after beating the Ravens. That's like, true. 
they were so excited. Like, guys, we got a division win. <laughs> like it was like Tommy Boy sold a bunch of brake pads. <laughs> they they got to fire him. He he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> we got a division win. He yeah. has no idea what he's doing. What? There's a whole season left. I've doubled my wins, guys. Let me have this. (laughs) He reminds me of some movie character, and I can't think of what, like, Commandant Lassard or something. Like, he is, like, the clueless guy who has fallen into a little bit of luck to pull him out of it. He's not going to be the guy to do it going forward. It's going to be Todd Haley, right? He's like Proctor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's the guy that (laughs) squirts ketchup on the Lieutenant Harris's ass. (laughs) Making Police Academy references to the Browns. Well, look. Proctor. I mean, Baker Mayfield is their Mahoney, you know? <laughs> no doubt. A new talent competition series is heading to CBS as if we need another one. Right. It's called The World's Best. And the network says it will feature uh, acts from all genres from all over the world. James Corden will be the host and executive producer. Faith Hill, Drew Barrymore, and Hall have all signed on as judges. Uh, that's set to air sometime next year. Man, I can't wait not to watch that. <laughs> Steve Perry is once again insisting he has no intention of reuniting with his former Journey bandmate, Neil Sean, Sean Sean, in any capacity. In a recent interview, he said emphatically, quote, Please listen to me. I left the band 31 bleeping years ago. We went our separate ways, guys. End quote. <laughs> Shown is often publicly called for a musical reunion in one form or fashion, saying he would love to collaborate with Perry. Meanwhile, Perry recently released his long-awaited third solo album, Traces. He probably sees him and Jonathan Cain bitch-fighting all the time. He's like, why would I want to get back into that? Well, I think that's a big part of it. And the other part is I think that he sees it as disingenuous because Neil Sean just wants the publicity from it. I think he sees it as him wanting to use Steve Perry. Mm-hmm. Steve Perry Probably. cannot sing the way he used to. No. He's, he, you know, he has said it many times. He's just not able. And there's no shame in that. Uh, I was talking to people about this last night. You know, it's kind of remarkable. Donald Fagan seems to still hit all those notes for Steely Dan, as old as he is. But Billy Joel, Elton John, Robert Plant, you know, the list goes on and on of guys who have tuned the songs down. So when you go and hear them, it's not even in the same key. So it sounds a little bit different to your ear. But they but it, do it to like, you know accommodate their career. Journey's not going to go through all that right now. Steve Perry wouldn't want him to do that. He feels like he was unceremoniously sort of removed from their legacy at one point. And Neil Sean wants some press, and that's it. Finally, John Lennon would have turned 78 today, and it was celebrated last Friday with the re-release of his 1971 album, Imagine, this time like... Never before, John Lennon Imagine the Ultimate box set spreads 140 songs over four CDs and two Blu-ray discs, offering so-called ultimate mixes that allegedly provide whole new levels of sonic depth, definition, and clarity. The set includes raw studio mixes, 5.1 surround sound mixes, and a quadrasonic album mix. Quad apparently was a big fad in the 70s, dividing music into four channels and requiring four speakers to enjoy them. There are also... Outtakes and audio montages that detail how each song progressed from demo to master via instructions, rehearsals, recordings, and studio chatter. Here is John Lennon talking about the idea for his song, Imagine. The idea came like as a child's song, you know, and I wanted to keep it so a child could understand it. I sort of think of it as like working class hero, only in child language, you know. 
It's the same story in a way, but it just sort of says it with, uh, you know, powder paint. Uh, another notable birthday, Jackson, around 70 today. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's another, oh, wow. He's another guy who... Uh, wow. His voice hasn't changed too much. Jackson Brown mm-hmm. still sounds exactly the same. There was a great uh, video footage released of outtakes from them recording How Do You Sleep with George Harrison and Nicky Hopkins mm-hmm. back when and uh, Klaus Vuhlman on bass back when they recorded that song for... That was on the Imagine album, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. But that was his uh, rap beef... Basically, to uh, Paul. It was him calling out Paul. How do you sleep? I would love to um, hear the studio chatter. Like, just them talking in the studio. What do you guys think think tonight? Jerk? (laughs) Do you want to? You? Paul? He's like, you in? I wanted to write a song so a child could understand it, you know, so Ringo could drum to it. (laughs) Sunny, hot, and humid, mid-80s for the high today. It is 67 at DVE. Portions of this broadcast are brought to you by our sponsors. Hey, fellas, you breaking breaking ankle? Jumping off that Steeler bandwagon. Only to feel like a dunce when they pounded the Steeler or the Falcons defense in the dirt. Then call us. I'm Tim Kabaki. And I'm his brother, Charles. But you might know us better as... The Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steeler Bandwagon Kings. If you or your loved ones tossed out your Steeler gear... On account of them sucking Grundle against the Browns... Chiefs. And the Ravens... Then look no further. Pittsburgh Bandwagon Kings welcomes you back with refurbished Steeler gear... We pulled out of garbage bins around Heinz Field. After the last two home losses. We also have several reclaimed Le'Veon Bell jerseys. With a slight hint of fire accelerant. And varying arrays of wearability. He's coming back, you know. His agent, ACDC Atari, said so. We got multiple terrible towels. All deboogered. Bleached. And ready for renegading. Big Ben posters taped back together. Using only the finest of Scottish tapes. Dozens of Steelers lids. Fished out of from under the Clemente Bridge. By our <laughs> chapeau angler. And cousin. Dennis. Not to mention. A dazzling array. Of current day modern Steeler paraphernalia. Get your TJ Watt. Or bottles, your Terrell Bull <laughs> Edmonds towels, your Ryan Switzer sweets, your James Connor mullet wigs, Juju Juju bees, they're lit. AF. <laughs> we even got Roosevelt Knicks masks. It's half Teddy Roosevelt mask, half Richard Nixon mask. Sound together. Perfect if you want to go as a pump walking pullback this Hallow's Eve. So if you need a hand getting back on the Steelers bandwagon, we got them big foam finger ones for you to grab. With virtually all the trash cans stink for breezed off them. The Pittsburgh Bandwagon Kings. Yes, yes guys, guys we love us, buddy. DVE Sports. Mike, proceed with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Sports is out brought to you by Blackish on my 22. Drew Brees was on the brink of passing Peyton Manning when he took the field for the Saints last night against the Redskins. Brees and the Saints ensured that it would be remembered as an historic night before halftime. 
from the 38 in New Orleans. Moving right to left in the gun breeze. First down and 10. Shotgun snap. Drops back. Looks long. Far side. He's got a wide open receiver. It's caught at the 35. Breaking the tackle. 30 from the 20 down the sideline. The 10. The 5. And it's a touchdown for Traquan Smith. Over the shoulder catch. 62 yards. And the record. Breeze has done it. With a standing ovation from over 74,000. The time is 8.34 Central Time at the Superdome in New Orleans. And Drew Brees has just become professional football's all-time leading passer. Kevin Harlan with the call on Westwood One. That is how you set a record, isn't it? A 62-yard touchdown pass in front of the home fans in a blowout W. Awesome. I love Drew Brees. Great story. Easy to root for guy. Yep. And, Been in the uh, league forever. Didn't exactly have it handed to him. He was a second-round pick, but he wasn't one of those top-of-the-draft guys. He wasn't uh, brought along as the next big thing. He didn't have all the size and physical skill. Been He's, in the league since, what, 01? Yeah. He's got a Mario Lemieux type of stature status in New Orleans, too. He's really ingratiated himself with the community there and has done – a ton of work to better New Orleans. So he is beloved there. You can count on a statue of Drew Brees there one day. He threw for uh, 363 last night to uh, improve his career total to 72,103 yards. That uh, best Manning's total of 71,940. Saints won the game 43-19. to 19. One of the quotes that they had prepared as soon as he did that was, New Orleans needed a hero, and Breeze needed to be one. It was a match made in heaven. They're like, yeah, wh- whatever. We could use levies, too. I mean, th- those yeah. would be helpful. Le'Veon? They, they could use Le'Veon? No. Le- <laughs> no, the Le'Veon so, broke. What are they willing to trade for? Um, I, Zingers. I think uh, Drew Brees is incredible, don't get me wrong, and that performance last night was fantastic. But my God, what happened to the Redskins? How how mismanaged could that organization be? Yeah, it's been they're, a rough 25 or 30 years. Their owner is the Snyder. worst. Their GM is a jackass. And, you know, they trade away Kirk Cousins, mispronounce yeah. his name on the way out the door. Like, who cares? We don't even care about this guy. He stinks. And they bring in a guy who's older than him, who's clearly on the decline in his career. Uh, you know, trade away some of their best defensive assets yeah. and then try to convince their fan base who've been waiting around forever for a, for a winner that raising ticket prices is worth it because they've uh, put a better product on the field. Yeah, well, that's why they're staying away in droves, Mike. Keep making the stadium smaller. <laughs> there, there's Nobody's going to those games anymore. That used to be the most prideful fan base, and they have just been completely decimated and through, that through this Snyder campaign. Their new stadium is one of the worst in terms of access. Yeah, would, you told me that. I, I remember say you there and New England are probably the New two. England's awful. Buffalo's in the in the mix there too. It just one, one road, road in, one road yeah. out, and it takes forever to get out of there, particularly after games. It's you got to really commit to it. And if you're yeah, not, going to a game's an all yeah, day thing. If you're not good, they're not going to just get the ah. Oh, hey, let's go to the game today because it'll be fun for a couple hours. No, it's your whole day is shot. Yeah, I don't know how these places they have these stadiums with no access from public transportation, and there's one road out, one road back. 
College football top 25. West Virginia's up to number 6 at 5-0. and Penn State is up to number 8 at 4-1. and Alabama continues to top the AP top 25. Uh, Notre Dame is number 5. The Irish move up one spot after beating Virginia Tech. Notre Dame hosting Pitt this Saturday. Penn State's got Michigan State. Baseball playoffs last night, 16-1. to the, the Red Sox beat the Yankees. Boston has a two-games to one lead over New York. Uh, game four is tonight. 8.07 on TBS. CC Sabathia against Rick Porcello. The Astros eliminated the Indians yesterday, 11-3. to Houston sweeps that series and is looking every bit like a team determined to repeat. Man, they, their pitching is that just pitching. relentless. Uh, Dodgers look like they <laughs> have some designs on getting back to the series. They uh, finished off Atlanta in four games. Freeze. With a 6-2 victory yesterday. Penguins are getting ready for Vegas on Thursday night. They're 1-1, one, uh-huh. they're one one, but uh, the head coach, Mike Sullivan, not happy. The Pens gave up six goals in their <laughs> opener, a 7-6 overtime win over Washington last Thursday, and then got beat 5-1 to one by the Canadians last Saturday night. Here was uh, Sullivan's assessment of the way his team was playing following that Canadians debacle. I think we're a team right now that just wants to score. And uh, instead of just playing the game the right way, and that means playing on both sides of the puck, and it's, it's in the details. It's making calculated decisions. It's making good line changes. It's, uh, right now, we're, we're, not where we're, we're not even close to where we need to be. That's what, this, that's what I think this, that's what I learned from this game tonight is, is we've got a long way to go if we're going to become the team we want to become. But it starts with a mindset. And uh, I know we have a talented group. I know we can score. But until we learn how to play defense and become harder to play against, then um, we're not going to control outcomes. Now, one thing Sullivan can control is the lineup. Uh, Ole Mata knocked down to the fourth defensive pairing in practice yesterday. We're trying to make the best decisions that we think uh, give the team the best chance to win. And uh, the reality is, is, is this this business is competitive. Our team is competitive, and you know we have some guys that uh, that we know we can put in the lineup if we if we so choose that uh, that we think can play and help us win games. So the coaching staff goes through a process almost daily uh, where we're trying to assess our whole group and where we're at and what combinations and what line combinations or defense pairs uh, will give us the best chance to win on, on any given night. And, you know, that, that'll be something that will go through that process all season long. So shape up, boys. Dad's angry. They think they have depth and uh, they are not apparently afraid to use it. Pull it together. I'll turn this car around. It will not be moving forward. It'll be moving backward. Steelers Everybody ba- get on the do better chair. Steelers Bengals is a Sunday 1 o'clock matchup in Cincinnati. Coverage begins at 9 a.m. here on the flagship of the Black and Gold 102.5 TVE. Mike will be down there for that. We're going to talk with Gene Steratore after the break. Zebra talk. And plenty to talk about. Not just the roughing, the passer, inconsistencies, but the crown of the helmet stuff has been called so infrequently. infrequently. And that was the one you thought was going to really change the game in the preseason in particular. A lot of people were worried about it. But, Mike, that stuff's happening left and right. 
And they're not even calling it during the game. They're fining guys after the fact. Yeah, we got a couple of uh, prime examples we're going to talk to Gene about. And I'm curious to see or hear what he thinks Mike Tomlin was whining about when he called the officiating a joke after winning 41-17. to That's right. Cam Hayward at 8.45. Cam giving a pep talk to the secondary. That might have helped spur on their best performance of the year so far. We'll talk with Cam next hour here on your radio home of the Steelers, Stevie. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show, along with Mike Pursuta, Bill Crawford, Val Porter. We welcome now our next guest for Zebra Talk, sponsored by Hubbis Auto and Truck Supply. It's Gene Steratore. Good morning, Gene. How are you? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Notice the lilt in our voice, the tone, the tenor of our welcome to you this morning. It's so much brighter with the Steelers win. I mean, I bet people... Can we get anything? Toilet paper? Anything? People are buying toilet paper left and right. (laughs) It's a good day. It's a good morning in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, guys. It's a good morning. (laughs) All right, so we got to bitch about a few things now. Okay. Let's go right at it. Let's go get it. All right. Well, the first thing is Coach Tomlin had this to say after the game on uh, on Sunday regarding the officiating and the roughing the passer uh, penalties that they were calling with uh, with great frequency. Yeah, he was he was asked about hands to the face and then he took it in a different direction just for the context, Gene. Okay. All right. Those look like legitimate calls. We got to be better there, but some of the other stuff, man, is a joke. We we got to get better as a National Football League. Man, these penalties are costing people games and jobs. Uh we we got to get them correct. And um so I'm pissed about it to be quite honest with you. But that's all I'm going to say on it. Okay. Well, what do you think he's pissed about? Well, you know what, guys? I, I know this about Coach Tallman. He's an extremely intense coach, as we all know. And he very rarely, uh, you know, gets this emotional uh, or, or even somewhat opinionated on, on certain things. So I think overall uh, he's upset with the, uh, with the roughing the passer call, which I think, you know, look, being back there from that position – um, any shots that get to the knee or below area for a referee, it, it, it's a tough play. It happens very quick. You get one shot at it. I'm going to give you guys the technical NFL official referee kind of answer right now, only if I can give the Pittsburgh answer after I'm done. But uh, I can tell you, like, when that hit happens and Matt Ryan's legs kind of go backwards real quick and he turns, you get this one crack at it, and, and it's, it's the, the, the foul for knee or below is forcible contact. Sometimes it doesn't take him off of his feet, but if it bends that knee or appears to be forcible enough to, to be a safety issue, you react and you, and you throw. And, and this is a great referee that worked the game this week, guys, and that's his play. You talking about T.J. Watt, Gene? Yeah, T.J.'s. I'm sorry. I, I was blanked out on Coach Tomlin's answer on my side, guys, so I didn't get to hear what he said. But oh. I remember what he said, and I kind of watched it. You know, So I, I got a little piece, I'm sure, what you guys were uh, what you guys were playing. But the T.J. Watt hit, that, it's a reaction from a referee. Now, look, we all have looked at plays with your referee, and, and when you see it roll back again, you think, eh, I'd like to have maybe have that one back. And I think that was probably the case. I don't want to speak for John on that play, but I think it's one you want to take back if you look at it. Uh, the other one with Bostick, that was an unnecessary roughness call, not a roughing the quarterback call. It looked like he gave him one to grow on, you know what I mean? Like he was down and, hey, just want to let you know I'm here, Matt. So just take this one to the ground with you real quick. And uh, and that's kind of the, the deal with that. The Dupree plays, I think are, they're just both fouls. Dupree's hands are up in the face to prolong. It pushes the head back. Those are good calls. But overall, and this is my take again from the uh, from the officiating lens here, I guess, 
everyone's on fire right now because there have been plays that have happened for three weeks that are what are they doing to this game, way to the quarterback. I mean, these guys are ruining the game, the whole thing, right? And and what's the league doing with this? doesn't seem like they're pulling back with anything. Uh, so naturally, anything that's missed right now or close, especially if it involves a quarterback, I think we're going to see some emotion at this point. And, and hopefully it all dies down. But that, that's my technical answer, okay? Like, the Pittsburgh answer is, all right, everybody just take a breath. Chill out, all right? <laughs> Fellas, we got the W. Corner ran well. He's running. He's catching. Big Ben runs for two first downs. He's thinner. He's getting around the edge. He's thinner. We got the W. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody, the sky ain't falling here, all right? The refs ain't going to ruin the game or the season. Everything's going to be all right. So yeah, what are you making that, though? Yeah. But he won 41 to 17 and he was pissed. I mean, that's that's a little unusual for anybody. Isn't well, you it? know, for context, the reason he, I think he's pissed is something he said in that statement. And I, my, my apologies. I thought you were able to hear that call. He says, this is going to cost start costing people jobs. And, I mean, he's talking about, you know, coaches. He's, he's thinking about his livelihood now. He's not worried about the referees losing their job. Or the entertainment value. Right. Which was a couple weeks ago. No, it's not entertainment. He's talking about jobs. Don't don't think for one second that officials don't understand. Now, naturally, it's not a full-time job for all of us that worked in this league. Uh, it's a nice piece of change that you earned for your way up the ladder. Every official understands at every level uh, that it is about jobs. And livelihoods. And I will say this to you. I'm a supervisor of the small colleges around western Pennsylvania and West Virginia and Ohio, 32 teams I supervise. I talk to my young officials the same way, guys. You understand something, you know what I mean? Like coaches. And let's go back, like go to Division two and three, guys. This is a guy's his first head coaching opportunity ever. And now he's on a field, and I've got some young guy that I'm trying to teach how to become a college official from a high school level. And his decisions are making the difference in this guy's livelihood. Officials understand the pressure and the responsibility that they have now taken on because they love this game and want to ref. But knowing that a couple decisions might cost this guy a couple wins or losses. And let's face it, when you're a head coach in D3, you're a middle-aged guy with kids that have moved around for 10 years of their whole life, finally got a head coaching job. You lose at D3 and you get fired at the D2 and D3 level. You're not going to TV and doing color. You know, you're going back on the road again. The family's moving again. Referees understand what this all means. The moment you start officiating a game where a coach or players are doing this for their livelihood, you have instantly become a professional that is understanding that people's jobs and their careers are on the line. That's a given from the officiating lens. I understand coaches' frustration with it, though. I mean, we're all human. I will say this statistically that I got last night. There were 11 roughing the passers this week. None of them were body weight. Okay, so did we miss a couple in the other in the other window? More than likely, yeah. I think there's two or three that I've seen right now that I think the guys would love to have back. But it's it's the flavor of the environment at this point. Any missed roughing the passer for the next month is you guys are killing this thing. We're killing the game. It's that. It's that level now that we're all at. Everyone's overly sensitive to it, mm-hmm. and rightly so. So we deal with it. But, look, football is going to be good. I'm forever the optimist. It's all going to settle. We're going to figure it all out. And we're in week five. And uh, 
it's a long year, and, and things will even out, and the game is going to always be as wonderful as we've all loved it. I will forever believe that. So the other uh, question I was going to have for you here, uh, because time purposes here, we need to move to the next thing. The, the uh, lowering of the helmet in the preseason, a lot yep. of people thought this was just going to stop the entire progress of games, that it was going to happen every other play, the the uh, um, linear posture issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were two incidents last week, one with Kareem Hunt. It wasn't called in the game against uh, the Broncos, lowered his helmet. He ended up getting fined 27000 bucks for that, uh, but it wasn't called during the game. And then Joe Mixon, one of the Dolphins DBs, basically did a head-to-head shot this past Sunday, no call. Uh, did Was there some sort of uh, spoken, uh, hey, guys, let's uh, lay off this one. That's a little harder for us to uh, call in the moment. Let's uh, take care of it after the fact. Yeah, I think something happened. I, I'm not in the and I'm not in the know here behind the curtain right now, so I'm not getting all that that information anymore. Uh, oh, sure you are, Gene. Come on, you know. Yeah, I know, right? You, you, you talk to people. You, you hear things. Oh, no, it's beautiful. <laughs> Guess what? Officials can't talk to media anymore. So there's the beauty. Now, now you're media. Brother. You're shut out. I love it. Yeah, my older brother. My older brother is my business partner. He works in the leg. He comes in the office every morning. Good morning. I said, "Don't talk to me. You can't talk to me. I'm media." It's great. Anytime I get worried about what he's going to say, I tell him he shut up because I'm the media. You have to be quiet. <laughs> no. But listen, on the helmet stuff. After week two preseason, you were right, Rand. Like there were 51 or 54, I think, called through two weeks. Right. It all toned back. They did talk about it a little, kind of not on the headlines, but. Like maybe they were going to look at a little bit of speed and distance prior to that contact or have it jump out, right? Like it's got to jump out the play that we, all of us would see all the time. I can tell you as I scrub games and watch these six, seven, eight games a week, um, there's a lot of helmet contact that were fouls in the first week, two weeks of preseason. I think what will happen, the, the mix and play uh, and the Kareem Hunt play, that's how the NFL has operated for many years, is if we've missed something that's a safety issue, they get in their pockets, and that's how they kind of change the culture from the player's end to get them to understand that that technique's going to cost me money. So players probably mm. adjust for different reasons. Um, the officials themselves, there's only been five helmet calls, calls so far this year. Uh, it'll, it'll tighten as the year moves forward, and hopefully as the, as the culture of the game changes year to year, and listen, I can say this to you from being down there and knowing what that hit means to a human being and an individual playing, I want to see those plays called. It might upset people, and we may have two of those a game or something, and it's going to be a big first down, and it might cost someone a game. Those hits, they got to come out of the game eventually, guys. It's what's right for the game. And I don't like hearing when people say, look, let them play like they used to. I, I hate to say this. They're much faster. They're much bigger. And these hits that we're taking now in the NFL, they weren't taking these hits in 1975 or 1980 or all that throwback time when we remember. It's a different game. It's faster, bigger, and more dangerous. So I am a proponent, of I, and they will tighten this or get better at it. And this is the normal flow of a rule change, what you're seeing, I think, right now. They get in the pockets. We tighten it up again next year a little bit tighter and eventually get to where we want to get to. That's usually the progression. Well, do you think that's the way they'll kind of adjudicate this, uh, more fines than flags? Usually, Mike, and again, I really mean this. I'm not behind the curtain. The biggest question would be if I were an official right now active and communicating on a daily basis. I would want to know how many officials 
were downgraded or, or shown that they made a mistake for not calling that, okay? Because then you find out this is where they want us to go. There were 15 no-call downgrades this week for helmet contact. That would be a quiet way for the league and the officiating department to be telling their officials, tick this up. We're, we're downgrading you for not calling them. I don't know that statistic. That's uh, illegal contact is another one. It's spiked. It looks like the league might still be looking at officials and going, look, there were still seven misses for illegal contact last week, even though we called 15 of them in week five. Okay, so if that's happening, they're telling the guys, look, keep throwing that flag. We want that out of the game. So that's the stuff that you don't get from not being behind that curtain right now. And no, but but yeah, I do. I don't that, that's that's the answer, to be honest. That's the answer with it. Gene's Territory brought to you by Havas Auto and Truck Supply this morning on DVE Zebra Talk with uh, one of the uh, one of the most revered analytical referee minds in all of the NFL history. Any sport, really? Yeah, any sport. Basketball, <laughs> yeah. uh, high lie. He does it all. Hockey. He could do. Yeah. He could do the Stanley Cup final tomorrow. It's too much. I gotta go. I gotta get out. I'm not going on skates. Don't ever say that. <laughs> I'm never working on skates. I'm out. I'm out. You guys are breaking up. It's a bad connection. Gene Steratore. Thanks, Gene. <laughs> See you, bud. Coming up. All right, bud. Val's got your news here on the DV Morning Show. Valerie, what are we going to be talking about? Uh, Antonio Brown is being sued for an incident that allegedly endangered a 22-month-old child. This is a crazy story. Yeah, what do you hear the update bananas. on this? This is nuts. It's 68 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Yeah, let's get to that story right off the bat. TMZ reporting Antonio Brown is being sued for an incident that happened last April. According to the lawsuit, AB went into a fit of rage in his 14th floor luxury apartment in Florida and started trashing the place and throwing stuff out the window. Yikes. A man named Ophir Sternberg is suing saying his 22-month-old son was on the ground with his grandfather when all this stuff started coming out the window and landing around them within like a foot or two. Uh, the items reportedly included an ottoman, two large vases, one of which shattered, and uh, other pieces of furniture. Sternberg claims AB acted aggressively and yelled at security when the police arrived. TMZ also claiming there is surveillance video of the incident. Uh, the man says his son is now having night terrors and is traumatized by the incident. He's suing for assault and intentional infliction of emotional distress and that uh, he says AB acted without regard for human life. AB has not commented on that lawsuit. Well, Nobody was actually uh, physically harmed, so that no. that part no. is at least fortunate because it could have been really, really bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, if that ottoman had landed right on that kid? Oh, he, he There's security footage corroborating this actually happened? They claim, I haven't seen any video, but they claim there is surveillance video. So if this went down the way the guy says, they were hanging out down by the pool and all of a sudden furniture from the 17th floor starts flying 14th. out 14th floor starts flying out the window mm-hmm. i mean it's possible he is on a lot of hgtv shows he might have thought he was on a flip that house thing where he had <laughs> to actually just do it himself no we didn't mean flip out in your house he's it's flip that house I, this is not uh, remotely surprising to anybody call god he's- and then call my lawyer <laughs> i think i'm in trouble <laughs> god can you recommend a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I mean, he's a bonehead. Yikes. He's a complete bonehead. Well, it, it does explain a lot of his bizarre behavior this offseason. Like, it, I mean, we've talked to Mike. I mean, all of us have noticed, like, something was different. Something was off. When like, he he's came always into been weird. Camp, 
Right, but but he, but he seemed emotionally distressed. Yes, earlier this year in minicamp. Look, he had a really messed up upbringing, and no doubt, he Liberty is, City, no joke. Emotionally, he is a in a very weird place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, whatever personality disorder he has, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. I but can, he's never I lashed out it. like this, like it's, this incident. You know, threatening a reporter. Like it's, threatening to break that guy's jaw, like calling Ed Bouchette a racist. Like he he's had some some wild moments that he hasn't had his whole career here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I yeah. Up I, until now, he's been like he's been like I said, weird, but just the smile and happy but guy. But it's on and, the field. People complain yeah. about him, and they're like his end zone celebrations. What's that five for fifty stat that he keeps going after? I mean, that's the kind of stuff you've said right. about him. He's wearing stupid hats in the press conference after right. the game. But now it's like yeah, he's, this is he's definitely throwing furniture on babies. Right. <laughs> not, <laughs> this seems much worse. But he's not connecting, so that's good. No, once again, the Wi-Fi, not there. But uh, so thank, that, the thank the Lord for that. I, I wish he'd get some help, man. The guy clearly needs to see a doctor. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, you could go down a whole rabbit hole of trying to armchair diagnose what's wrong with A.B., I think everybody needs to see a doctor. I'm a big fan of doctors. <laughs> yeah. In that regard? Yeah. Everybody needs a therapist. There's Go no get- shame in it, man. Go talk to somebody. Stop calling that one friend of yours. Yeah. He doesn't want to hear it, and he can't help you. Yeah, stop unloading on that guy. Go pay somebody. I don't know. and I'm- I know this is probably linked to some baby mama drama. No doubt. He's got quite How a bit. And it would explain... He's got Audubon. Audubon. <laughs> How many did he have uh, in the press conference with him the other day? Two? Auxiliary. Uh, Autograph. Antebellum. Uh, there was a lot of them. What's up, Chuck? Ogden. Charlie Batch. Did you hear that story about Autumn. AB? Did you hear us telling that? Yeah, I just heard about it. I mean, that Crazy. is... Crazy. Nuts. Do you think there's a part of him or the organization, they're like, well, it would be great if we could get him to, uh, to a, a head doctor here. And just kind of figure out what's going on with him emotionally, but we don't want him to to stink on the field. Is you know, <laughs> like we don't want him to get so much self reflection that all of a sudden he he's not the best player ever. But clearly, something's got to happen for AB here, right? Yeah, when I saw it, in the first thing that stuck, I'm like, April. Okay, and it's just now coming out now. Like, why is that? Why well, I think the guy just filed the lawsuit because that was my question to him. Mm-hmm. Like, how did this not? make huge news at the time how did AB not pay this guy so much that he never said a thing that's what I wonder Yeah, another good question yeah you're right and what happened with that ottoman is that (laughs) on eBay that's one of his kids names (laughs) oh no spelled with an A yeah A-U-T-O hopefully he landed in the pool (laughs) (laughs) M-A-N-N aren't all his kids don't they all have A names yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> Arugula. <laughs> Look, man, I want him to get well. That's it. Like, there's something yeah. wrong. The way he reacted to yeah, that. He's one e- of my favorite players. That ESPN report over the, uh, or at the beginning of the year that so, sort of Is he, uh, is he really the Instagram social guy? media yeah. yeah, persona and stuff like that. And the way he reacted to him and threatening that guy. Uh, the way he reacted to Ed Bouchette, the way he had that media meltdown at minicamp this year, mm-hmm. this all seems to be connected. Mm-hmm. And I think he probably feels like it's an attack on his uh, on the AB kingdom, and he's trying to defend it. 
at all costs. But, man, you cannot be throwing furniture out of the 14th floor with no regard for anybody on the bottom. No, that's why you got to buy a house. You can throw furniture anywhere you <laughs> want right. around your house. <laughs> yeah, that was when I saw that. I'm like, doesn't he have a house in Florida? Mm, yeah. That you're talking about a, an apartment or wherever it was. So. Yeah. Oh, is that an away game? Well, again, oh, that's geez. what we don't know, the circumstances surrounding yeah. this. Yeah, don't know who was there. But it's who never good to end himself. up on TMZ on a Tuesday morning. No, uh, not at, at all. No, in the middle of the season. Or facing a lawsuit. And now Coach Tomlin's going to have to pretend like he doesn't know what TMZ is today. He's going to be, uh, I don't, uh, you know, that's all garbage <laughs> older than me. I don't, TMZ, and DMT, I don't pay attention to DMZ. Acronyms. DMT. <laughs> BET. <laughs> Uh, Ozzy Osbourne still recovering from surgery on his hand due to an infection. He's been forced to postpone more shows. The recent procedure caused him to cancel his planned concert last Saturday in Mountain View, California. He announced yesterday he's also going to have to miss tonight's show in San Diego and Thursday's at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, The L.A. show will be rescheduled and uh, the San Diego gig will be rescheduled as well. Sunny, hot, humid, mid-80s for the high today. It is 68 at DVE. Steeler football this Sunday coming back against the Bengals in Cincinnati. A 1 o'clock kickoff. Coverage beginning at 9 a.m. here on your radio home of the Steelers, DVE. Charlie Bash, a part of that coverage, handling the uh, the postgame with Stan Saverin. Stan says when we win, nobody calls. Yeah, that that is true. <laughs> Everybody's happy. We're Nothing sitting there begging people about. to give give the players the credit, give coaches credit, and they don't want to do that. No, <laughs> not at all. No, they don't. And it was funny because we're fielding calls, or at least my Twitter's blowing up. And you know, every week I am part of the media. You know, and of course mm-hmm. I want the Steelers to win every week. But if they don't give me reason to, then sometimes my pick is not going to go against the, go with the Steelers, and it goes against them. And this week I picked the Falcons. I thought it was going to be a high score. I me too. It was shootout, forty-one thirty-eight, yeah. and of course everybody just letting me have it oh you know? yeah. yeah you're wrong you should never pick against the Steelers you're right I, I shouldn't but this is part of my job as well but I'm always happy to be wrong yeah and, and, I, and I'll be the first to admit it so and I was this week who thought the defense was gonna step right. up like that I mean that yeah, was absolutely. a good that was a safe pick <laughs> absolutely you know coming into this game I'm like okay we didn't get pressure on a quarterback we haven't had mm. a sack you haven't know haven't looked good consistently. at home consistently yeah all of those type of things and I just until they prove me wrong then I'll do that, and I had to pick against them. And, of course, that happened, and it was really good to see those guys consistently get after Matt Ryan and get him off of his spot. Yeah. Uh, Cam Hayward supposedly had a talk with the uh, DBs in the locker room, and he's downplaying that. But clearly this was a week where he wanted to make sure that the Steelers were not embarrassed. He came up big, sack and a half total for him. T.J. Watt with three sacks. You know, I kept thinking this week the way that – uh, they were talking, uh, and, and Keith Butler w- was saying they were going to handle Matt Ryan was just, hey, whatever rush we can generate with the down guys, that's what we're going with. We're going to drop everybody else back. But he really had a nice game plan going into this. For the first time, I felt like the Steelers co- coaches had a great job, uh, did a great job of prepping the team for the opponent. Yeah, they were getting after it. And, of course, all week you heard what the most talented receiving group in the league, which arguably they are. And when you look for top one, two, and three, and of course you're adding that rookie of Calvin Ridley and there was six touchdowns, yeah, Cam had to challenge those guys. And when you have Joe Hayden uh, playing the way that he's playing, you get Mike Hilton back, the way that he's timing up those blitzes, he is that factor on the field as it mm-hmm. relates to them trying to get some of those secondary blitzes.
Yeah, I was uh, pretty amazed that they were able to shut down Matty Ice. He looked like he had trouble connecting with his guys, too, even when he did have somebody open. I think he just got flustered, man. You get pressure on a couple of these guys, they can't handle it. Not everybody's Big Ben. Right, and a lot of times that Matt Ryan started looking at the pass rush, and when the defensive line knows that that is happening, mm-hmm. trust me, they're going to continue to get after him. I mean, that I, just what they did this game is what this the front seven is capable of, and if they continue to do that, of course, now heading into Cincinnati, this is going to be what's needed heading on the road. Where did James Conner take the biggest jump in your estimation this week? Because he had a game. Yeah, he, he really did. I mean, I've never questioned his running or his, his catching abilities for me, it was always pass blocking. Can he pick up those protections? There was a time and there was a play in the game where he's looking off, and of course two men are coming off, but he trusted that the offensive line was going to bump off, pick up the inside guy. He ended up going out to his guy. Most young backs probably will see the flash that comes in, for, uh, in front of them stop or hesitate and allow their defender to get to the quarterback. He is trusting his assignment and understanding. That's mm-hmm. where I see the biggest jump with James Conner, and I complimented him this week. I said, keep doing what you're doing because yeah. you're gaining the trust with Ben. What was it with Ben and A.B.? Do you think this was just a mental thing that was happening here? or was just? I thought Ben must have made an adjustment at halftime or something, or just like was his release point too high because everything was coming out high. It really was, half. and it was, there were three throws in early in the first half, and I'm like, okay, it's just not clicking. You know, he missed him on a screen route, and all of a sudden, you know, you see a go ball, overthrows it, A.B.'s not able to time it. And you can see he's getting frustrated because he's like, wow, like what is going on with me? Because on the pass, there was one time he stepped up to a quick pass rush, and he missed him on a, on a crossing route. Mm-hmm. That would have been huge, and typically yes. they connect on those type of things. But it was just something. I don't know what happened at halftime, but those two guys were on the same page. And, of course, yeah, you're talking about this Wi-Fi connection, and I know those two are – or A.B. is kind of pu- pushing that a little bit. Yeah. But it's just – you know, I don't know. It's an, I don't know if Ben is pressing it a little bit more. He definitely was pressing trying to get to him. I don't think there's any doubt of that. And I wondered if the other defenses were keying on the fact that they know he's going there no matter what, particularly if somebody else gets hot. It's almost like, you know, if Juju has three catches on a drive, you know A.B.'s going to see the ball because nobody wants him to have a meltdown on the field. Right, and I think this is something – I mean, this is the evolution of the game. I and mean, even watching that game, they finished close to 400 yards uh, total offense. This is a team that really feel like – they had 500 yards of total offense out there, so they. It, this is to me, they're still scratching their surface, and this, they have the potential to be really good. And that's what Ben is uh, hoping at this point. Yeah. So, y- you think that's all taken care of now? That second half, uh, right to the rudder in terms of uh, Ben in the passing game, because I don't know if he was overthrowing everybody it just seemed like he was really having trouble with 84 yeah just 84 and i don't think that's something that you continue to work on in practice because these guys are hitting in in practice so you know now it's just a carryover to the game and if it gets to the point of maybe now training trying to get him some of those early catches so you don't see the meltdown as the game Mm -hmm. goes on because i mean that's every receiver i mean people will now talk about ab there are a lot of times that i've seen i play with a lot of receivers i don't have to name receivers (laughs) name them good but they if they don't get the ball within the first two or three series, they get upset because when the script is, is scripted out by the offensive coordinator, the first 15 plays are already there. Mm-hmm. He has to script to say, okay, I have to get this person the ball twice. I have to get him in the yeah. ball once. A couple carries in here. That's just the mentality. <laughs> if you don't get those guys the ball, trust me, me. those guys are going to complain. So right. it's not just A.B. And I would have a problem if A.B. wasn't complaining about not getting the ball because he wants to be involved in the, yeah. in the offense. Who would handle that drama on the sideline? Like if you had a receiver that was kind of pouting, pouting mm-hmm. a little bit when you were in there, would you have like Leftwich or so, you know one of your underlings be like, look, can underlings. you go – 
tell tell him he's going to get the ball eventually. No, it, it, it happens. But it, I mean, I played that role a lot, and throughout the course of my career, and there were, there were times on the field that I would whisper to Ben as he's walking off, say, "Hey, just kind of let you know, I know you're not a stat guy, but <clears throat> didn't get a catch yet, <laughs> or so and so didn't get the it, ball." Yeah, you, it, it, it plays out. You're like, oh wow, I didn't even think about it because you're just worried about the game, and you just have to get those guys. So you whisper that to to Ben, but also to the coordinator <laughs> to say, "It's your job. You're calling these plays. You need to get this guy." Involved. I, I gave Keith Butler credit. You got to give uh, Randy Feigner credit because I've been pretty critical of him, but he did a good job. He did the one thing that I think a lot of his critics wanted him to, which was A, get James Conner involved Run early, get him into a rhythm, but B, compliment him with Ridley. Don't rely on him to uh, to be the horse the whole game and in just his second year. Compliment him with the vet. Give him a, a little bit of a breather. At the same time, showing the D a different look. Yeah, and you have to because especially with the game being in the feeling like it was in the nineties, and I don't know if you were on the field at all. That pregame was hot. <laughs> was oh like, man, it was wow. yeah, it was super hot. <laughs> so as that game went on, I can only imagine you know the, just the endurance level. But what I like to see is the fact that when James Conner ripped off that, that that big catch and Vance McDonald sprung him on that block, mm-hmm. James stayed in that game and ripped off another big run immediately after that play. So you know now guys are starting to get into game shape. The longer they get, the further you're removed from the preseason, these guys have to have that doors level to be able to sustain throughout the game. What do you game. think he's going to have to do to get through a whole season? Because the way I see him running, he runs so aggressive. Mm-hmm. I can't see him getting through a whole season without getting a shoulder or something. Do you think he has what it takes this, to make it through a whole year? I do, but and, but these are the conversations that happen between the running back coach and just any coach in general. They'll say, hey, yeah, we appreciate and we respect you trying to get those tough yards, but that's one where you might want to just step out of bounds. Right. Take that, take away from those those hits. And those are some things that I remember listening to Jerome Bettis telling those other running backs, hey, you don't have to be the big shot all the time. Be smart, get out of bounds, know when to take your shots. All right, we're going to take a uh, uh, commercial break. Mike Pursuta coming back, joining us after that break, talking more Steeler football with Charlie Batch. Then we got Cam Hayward on the show, 845. More to come on your radio home of the Steelers, DVEU.org. DVE Sports. All right, Charlie Batch hanging in studio with us right now. Mike Pursuta with your sports on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Sports is out brought to you by Citizens Bank. 363 passing yards for the Saints. Drew Brees last night in a 43-19 Monday Night Football victory over the Redskins. Drew Brees now your all-time NFL passing leader with 72,103 yards. That eclipses Peyton Manning's total of 71,940. Did you see Manning's video? I did. That they put out? That was pretty funny, man. <laughs> Charlie, you played a lot of snaps in this league, threw a lot of balls. What do you think this record means to a quarterback? Uh, it's, 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 you know, you play for championships, but they have that individual record, man. And as humble as Drew Brees is, it's, you know you know he's elated with this. And, and I went back and I actually t- uh, texted him this morning and I said, man, come a long way. And I had a picture of me and him in San Diego in the 2005 game. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> oh, <wow>. great. <laughs> he's just, so he's, he just started laughing. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, just one of those things that, that you put the work in and it wasn't one of those guys who were high round pick. He, he literally went through, um, you know, that second round knowing that he had to prove it. It was good to see. Yeah. And you always hear guys say that the championships are what matter, but. Some records are pretty good. I yeah, mean. <laughs> now now you look at the argument and say, okay, you know who is the greatest? You know, and it depends yeah. on the eyes. You know, do you do you base that off of championships or do you base it off off your um, personal favorite? You know, for me, if somebody anybody was to ask me, I would say Dan Marino. 
love watching him, you know, and, and he had the record at, at one point and it went for a, a, a number of years. But now this record here is, you know, I don't know if he puts it out of reach, but if he plays two more years, I don't know who catches it. Unless the game keeps going the way it's going, and then 5,000 yards is going to be average for a season. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> but I think when you, you, when you look at it just with the next group of guys that are close, you know, if Drew plays two more years, you know, does Phillip Rivers, Eli Roger, Ben Roethlisberger play five more years to even get close enough to that record? I don't know if it happens. His longevity for his size is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I got over records a while ago, but some of them are exceptions, and I think this is one. It's just... You don't you don't see this very often. Maybe we'll see it more often now. But uh, and his backstory to Charlie's point, he was not the chosen guy, the anointed mm-hmm. first overall, six five, two forty. And, and remember, rocket. if you remember that game in two thousand and five, they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs. If San Diego wins that ball game, we don't make the playoffs to even go on that Super Bowl run. He ended up he ends up breaking his shoulder or messing his shoulder up. Kansas City wins. They make the playoffs and. We had to beat Detroit the next day. I just remember sitting around the TV watching it, saying, man, if San Diego wins, we're not even in the playoffs. And they end up losing, and we had to go out and force us to play against Detroit and win. More quarterback talk uh, during uh, our weekly visit with Gene Steratore, the former NFL referee. Uh, Mike Tomlin uh, making some waves after a 41-17 win on Sunday, said the officiating was a joke and that he was pissed about it. Uh, Tomlin would not elaborate, but uh, Gene Steratore speculating that it was uh, roughing the passer related, the emotion that Mike Tomlin expressed. Uh, T.J. Watt got a personal foul roughing the passer against Matt Ryan, and uh, in Steratore's opinion, that call didn't have to be made. The T.J. Watt hit, that's, it's a reaction from a referee. Now look, we all looked at plays with your referee, and, and when you see it roll back again, you think, eh, I'd like to have maybe have that one back. And I think that was probably the case. I don't want to speak for John on that play, but I think it's one you want to take back if you look at it. Yeah, referee John Perry also got uh, John Bostick, Steelers linebacker, for unnecessary roughness against Ryan. And in Steratore's estimation, what Bostick did was unnecessary. The other one with Bostic that was an unnecessary roughness call, not a roughing the quarterback call. It looked like he gave him one to grow on, you know what I mean? Like he was down and, hey, just want to let you know I'm here, Matt, so just take this one to the ground with you real quick. And uh, and that's kind of the, the deal with that. So one of those subtle little shots that right. – uh used to take place all the time and is not going to be tolerated anymore? <laughs> it's not, and I think the one thing that players have to realize at this point, yeah, if it's not, there's calls that are made in the game, but there are also calls which aren't, but the NFL reviews every single play, and you can get fined if, the, if, if there was a penalty called or not. Now, that's the mm-hmm. frustrating part for guys. 16-1 Red Sox over the Yankees last night. Boston's up two games to one in that American League Division Series. The Red Sox can close them out. On Thursday night, or the uh, excuse me tonight, or the Yankees can force a decisive Game Five on Thursday night. Uh, Houston eliminated Cleveland. The Astros completing a sweep with an eleven to three victory, and the Dodgers have eliminated the Braves in four games, six to two. Los Angeles over Atlanta last night in Game Four. Penguins getting ready for Vegas on Thursday. Uh, they haven't played the way Mike Sullivan wants them to play. They've given up uh, six goals in a 7-6 overtime win over the Caps to start the season and five goals in a 5-1 loss to Montreal. It's uh, the way the results are being achieved that uh, irks Mike Sullivan as much as anything. You know, it's it's game two. I'm not going to sit here and overreact, but 
But having said that, you know, as we say to our players all the time, we're, we're trying to focus on the process. It's about how you win and how you lose. And, and more so than the result tonight is, is what, what's concerning to me is the process. And, and that's where our focus is going to be right now. Yeah, Mike Sullivan thinks the Penguins just uh, want to score goals right now. Don't really uh, care about too much of anything else. Uh, the process yesterday involved practice, and that involved Oleg Matta on the fourth defensive pairing with Chad Ruedel. Yuso Rikola moved up to the top six. He was skating with Jamie Alexiak. You know who's got to be upset about this news? Ruedel. He's like, wait a minute. Why... Why you guys got to throw me under the bus? They're like, oh, he got demoted. He got put with Rue Weedle. Oh, you don't want to play well? Okay. You got to sit with Rue Weedle. He's like, what the heck did I do? You You're in play. the doghouse. Go sit with Rue Weedle. <laughs> it's like, what I do? I don't know. You're it's, Rue uh, Weedle. So it gets some people's attention. It's not all modest fault, but uh, I guess somebody's got to take it. Uh, SI last night recorded the amount of time that announcers spent talking about penalties because it has consumed so much of so many broadcasts going forward. Last night was a relatively low tally in terms of penalties with only 10 called during the game. It's a little bit below average. Um, But they talked about the new rules and about penalties for... Six minutes and 36 seconds on the air last night. I don't know if that's a lot or a little bit. Seems like we've always talked about the penalties in a game. Like, that's always been a thing. But now it seems like the rules are changing. Also, I think, I think that the NFL a... has, like, an issue that, that is being dovetailed into this with, like, the percept, like people who are like, I'm, you know, the anthem controversy and the president weighing in and people saying they're done with the NFL and then these rule changes happening simultaneously and it's just leading people to, like, have this one big ball of confusion about what's happening in the NFL and it's making people want it to be 1977 again and, you know, Fred Williamson can... Uh, give you the old close line if the you hammer. want to, you know. <laughs> I think there's always been uh, carpet about penalties, but uh, it, it seems to me now every call is under the microscope. I agree with you. For whatever reason. You used to move on. Yes. You used to bitch about a call. That yeah. was a catch. Next yeah. play, here we go. <laughs> the future <laughs> yeah. of the game was not brought into question. Oh, no, it's an existential thing now. Yeah, yes. That's minutes. exactly what it nah. is. I agree. We also heard from Gene Steratore this morning. He said, take a breath, chill out. It's okay. And, yeah. and they know that they favor the rules to the end, to the offensive side of the ball. They want to see more more points. Fans don't want to see a 7-6 ball game anymore. Right. They just don't. Uh, Charlie Batch with us uh, from the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network, of course. Also at the helm at the Batch Foundation. What's going on? Yes, we are preparing for our In the Pocket event, our annual fundraiser. Uh, raising uh, In the Pocket with Charlie Batch. And we're doing it Monday, November the 12th at Nova Place. We're doing it at 730 and uh, raises money for our reading, reading computer literacy programs along with our STEAM program. So we're excited about this. Anybody who wants to attend, they can get more information at batchfoundation.org. This is going to be an exciting event. This is our 12th year doing this, so we are excited. Awesome, man. Yeah, Batchfoundation.org. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you. Cam Hayward, when we come back here on the DVE Morning Show. It's Randy Bauman in the DVE Morning Show, and joining us right now from the Pittsburgh Steelers, sponsored by Don's Appliances, it is Cam Hayward. Good morning, Cam. No, no, he's not there. Did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, 
I thought you said he was there. No. Well, now I feel no. almost dumb. No. But that gives me a, a great opportunity to play the Derek Lewis interview mm-hmm. from the UFC fight from this past weekend because this was uh, a guy. He won the undercard of the Conor McGregor uh, Khabib fight. Yeah. All right. Uh, Say Khabib's last name. No. I ain't even going to try that. But he took his pants off after the fight, and then Joe Rogan <laughs> asked him why. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? Yeah, my balls was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I'm glad Cam wasn't here to hear that. He's too dignified for something oh, like that. Oh, my goodness. But I bet he can relate. Yeah, he said the, the president called him before the fight. Uh, the president called the guy doing an undercard? I think he was joking. I forgot a few hours before the fight, Donald Trump called me and told me I got knocked this rush out because they're making him look bad on the news. You know, him and Putin, they're talking about USA and his whole <laughs> in this hoe. USA in this hoe. Oh. I want that on a hat. <laughs> this I is not hear that clip This is not day. exactly Muhammad Ali-esque. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? Yeah, my balls was hot. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Please make that the 6 a.m. Uh, kickoff every, every day. day. Right, there you go. Every day. My balls was hot. <laughs> <laughs> it fell in a good mood right off the bat. Oh my goodness, that's so. <laughs> and then they were like, he, he was asking about another fight, and he's like, man. I got to add some cardio, man. F what you talking about. I can't even breathe right now. <laughs> oh, my. Cosell interviewing Muhammad Ali. Oh. Why did you take your pants off? Roses are red, violets are blue. My balls is hot, and my ass is too. Uh. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? My balls was hot. <laughs> I understand. Ow. I understand. Ow. My stomach hurts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just pure joy. <laughs> <laughs> he, me- he meant it. They were hot. <laughs> like, imagine. Like you're, you're in an octagon. You just want to fight. You just rip your pants off. Oh your my mind. god! Tell you what, <laughs> is Cam on now? Okay, this guy Cam needs his own TV uh, show. Man. Cam Mayward brought to us by uh, Don's Appliances. <laughs> Cam, did you watch UFC fights this weekend? Uh, no, I didn't. I heard about them. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh-huh. You missed one of the best, if not the best, post-fight interview of all time. Oh, I I, I saw that. Um... Uh, I uh, someone was showing me that that guy had a lot of fun with those uh, guys. <laughs> Derek Lewis. Yeah, this it was, was crazy. This was the clip. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? <laughs> My balls was hot. <laughs> I understand. Well, the funny thing about the whole thing is uh, Joe Rogan is like, you can't keep a straight face because, like, he's literally. <laughs> In tears, trying to listen to this guy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He's an honest guy, you know. That's Everything all. that dude said was gold. That was yeah. amazing. Well, what did he say? He said, "Talk to my guy Trump." 
Uh, he told me to beat up the Russians because of Putin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Russians are making him look bad. <laughs> and then he said, USA in this hoe. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if we can't get on a hat, that's no. a travesty. Yeah, right. That should be right. on the next hat. Uh, congrats on the win on Sunday, Cam. I, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I'm one of the people who was surprised by how well you guys were able to shut down uh, Matty Ice and Julio Jones. The secondary did a great job after being much maligned up to this point in the season. And how much of it do you think had to do with you having to talk with uh, all the DBs last week? Yeah, I think they did a great job. Um, you know, I thought they uh, you know, studied well and played well. Um, you know, they weren't out of position a lot. Uh, and, you know, the crazy thing is they don't get their names called a lot. It's not like they're getting a bunch of tackles or anything, uh, but that's a good thing, you know, not mm-hmm. hearing their name. Uh, you know, you know, I think Joe had a heck of a game settling Julio around, um, you know, but you look at guys like Terrell Edmonds, um, Sean Davis, Artie Burns. Artie should have had a pick. Um, you know, he tried to play it off like he did, but uh, – you know, we we give them hell for it, but uh, you know, I thought the, the the DBs as a whole did a really good job of just communicating, um, especially with uh, three different uh, inside linebackers in there throughout the game. Cam, would you consider, not that this is your area of expertise, but would you consider Julio Jones and AJ Green similar receivers? And you think we might see Joe Hayden do again Sunday what he did last Sunday? Uh, I'm not gonna tip my hat, or you know. Uh, act like I know what what's going on. But uh you know, I think uh you know, it'd be wise to have Joe follow AJ just because uh you know, those are both two two good talents and uh you know, Joe's played AJ so many times he knows uh, his favorite spots. And I think last time Joe and AJ matched up here, Joe Joe I think followed him around and you know, I think AJ had like three catches, and uh, we kept him in check. Uh, but uh, you know, we're gonna need some of that this week because they're a good team. He talked about Hayden talked about getting his hands on Julio Jones and being physical right at the snap. Mm-hmm. D- does it drive you crazy when you watch video and you see a corner up in a guy's face and then he doesn't touch him and just lets him run right by? Um, you know, you gotta you gotta mix it up on these guys. You gotta make sure. Um, you don't show the same look every time, um, but you can't show off every single time, you know. Especially if we're playing man, um, and a guy's really good at you know uh, getting a release uh, or you know coming across the middle, you know. Because uh, sometimes a man, you got to keep uh, your inside clean, um, your inside leverage, and if you give up the inside leverage, that that screws the whole defense. Um, you know, I think we've talked a lot about it, but, uh, you know, it's just about understanding what you can do um, in different coverages. You know, let's say we're in the zone and, you know, we, we have you covering different things and we're worried about them hitting the out route or, you know, trying to do these flat, these uh, posts on us. you you got to play off a little bit because, um, you know, you're susceptible to a lot more. It seemed like you guys really had the communication thing down this weekend. Was that a function of the personnel that you got back? Um, you know, personnel we got back, and then I think we just had multiple guys communicating. Um, you know, I think uh, some guys really, uh, you know, 
uh, took advantage of what Vince did. You know, Vince is a, a, a great communicator. Um, but with that done, with him gone, it fo- it made everybody focus and say, we all have to communicate. Uh-huh. It, wasn't just one guy, it wasn't just one guy communicating. It was multiple guys. I um, mean, you got to do that on a regular basis. When Vince gets back, and I'm pretty sure it'll be the, this week, I think. Um, but uh, we have to all communicate. We all have to be, um, you know, use our hand signals, you know, continue to use them throughout the game so everybody can line up. You know, there should be no question when we're out there. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, John Mitchell once brought this up. I don't, I don't care if they know what we're going to do as long as we do it right 100% of the time. Um, and, you know, I used to get mad when he said it because we would literally be telling the offensive line in our passion drills that, oh, we're running this type of game. But, you know, there, there's truth to that because, you know, if everybody's communicating, everybody's on the same page, you don't have to worry about it. You just got to run it well. Well, since it worked so well against the Falcons, shouldn't you just keep Vince out and that would have everybody? <laughs> no. Everybody would be on their communication P's and Q's like they were against the Falcons? Hey, the more the merrier. I think uh, um, having Vince back, um, you know, he better be ready for us to all talk to him uh, and mm-hmm. to annoy him just because he's not the only one talking. Yesterday I heard an interview with T.J. Watt, Cam, and he was he was talking about how he did 111th of uh, of the job that was required, and he did his job, and he did his job this, and he did his job that. Do you think that the philosophy that you've been uh, promoting is finally getting through to some of the younger guys? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's not just TJ, but um, you know, I think everybody as a group did that. Uh, you know, we have to continue to do it. The job's not done. Just because you do one game uh, doesn't mean you're up for the next game. Um, we have to continue to keep growing and keep trusting the defense. Um, but, you know, I think this is a good step. You know, I think, uh, you know, showing guys that if everybody just does their job, we can be a good defense. Not to say that we didn't, we played perfect, but we, we had more good plays than, than bad plays, and you don't have to do that versus good teams. We're losing uh, contact with you there. Were you going in? And- <laughs> no, I almost lost my voice. Sorry. Oh, uh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cam Award. Too much communication. Uh, a big game for you on Sunday. Congrats on that. And uh, the defense really stepped up in a big way. And hoping this uh, points you towards having uh, the second uh, quarter of the season not resembling the first quarter of the season so much. Nice effort on Sunday, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Look forward to hearing from you next week. All right, man. We'll see you. Cam Hayward and the Steelers headed to to, uh, Cincinnati to take on the Bengals this Sunday. A 1 o'clock kickoff, which you'll be able to hear right here on your radio home of the Steelers, DVE. A a big jump this weekend. And, uh, you know, he's being somewhat modest there. I mean, the guys were kind of crediting him for coming back and being the one to say, this has to stop now. I wonder if anybody talked to the defensive line. Maybe one of the guys from the secondary came and talked to the line. Because they were a hell, to the they, secondary. They were a hell of a lot better too. Yeah, and I think it, you know you hear that cliche coverage and and rush work hand in hand. They do. Mm-hmm. And Our the, big people want the defensive line was more physical than it's been all year. I thought. I'm with you on that. Definitely. All right, Val's got your news next. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to tell you how to live to be a hundred, and the <laughs> Rock Hall nominees have been announced. Aha. Uh-huh. So I'll give you those. The Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. The Pub at Tony Dale in Oakdale. $3.16 ounce Bud Light draft during all Steeler games. That's 
your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, the pub at Tony Dale in Oakdale. Just remember, no matter how hot your nuggets get, you can't take your pants off in the Tony Dale. No, don't do that. Can't. Text to win a thousand bucks in workforce cash coming up next. And, you know, running two defenses in one defense, as has been talked about, yeah. two de- neither defense is any good. Now you're going to yeah. run two bad defenses at the same time. Reversible jackets never work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's Tampa's D like? Last week we had a pretty pretty uh, softy in, in uh, Kansas. Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The full game. And that sucks. It's like, is it the whiskey? What is it? <laughs> All right. So the, the, the defense. Not a soft D, right? I mean, these guys are coming in turgid. Randy Bellman on the DVE Morning Show. Well, here's the thing. Uh, not soft this weekend. Uh-uh. No. Rock. Rock solid. Oh, yeah. They were good. Be careful there. Be very careful. Yeah. Tiptoeing. I, I mean, I don't know. We were playing the Derek Lewis clip over and over, so I'm not sure. <laughs> By the way, and I, you know how we like to take things Val says out of context and then replay them later. This one has just been sitting here, and I cannot find a reason to use it, but I keep staring at it, so I have to hear it. <laughs> not eating that hairy thing. Not eating that hairy <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not eating that hairy thing. <laughs> not eating that hairy thing. What was the context? Really? About you eating a kiwi. Oh, yeah. Not okay. eating that hairy thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Today has been ridiculous already. Yeah, that A-B story has kind of thrown me for a loop a little bit. I think that's going to be a major story. Do you wonder if that might have been what set off all of this stuff that pr- kind of... Yeah, because when, yeah. when was the incident at... Uh, in May. He, that was in May. When he went off, like, I can't it was that March. And... Well, when's minicamp? I don't know. I think it's May. Now it all bleeds together for me. Yeah, well, we'll... Get Mike to update us on the timeline there. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Val's got news for you right now here on the DVE Morning Show. Valerie, what is going on? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. 73 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Golden Oak. Oh, sorry. What, what? was that? <laughs> All right, do you need to see a doctor? <laughs> Was, was that a, a Wookiee okay? yawn? That was, that what was, was that? that? was a Wookiee. Sorry. That wasn't supposed to... Are you, that, was that a butt Wookiee? Oh, no. It was <laughs> a butt Wookiee. A butt Wookiee. <laughs> oh, my God. That is such a horrible... Was that a Bucky Wookiee? <laughs> <laughs> it, was the, it was the actual Wookiee. It was a bookie. And but, the news is brought to us by... Butt Wookiee. <laughs> a Wookiee. Golden Oak Lending. A dude's a butt Wookiee. You know what I call uh, wooks? That's what they call like all the like the uh, like uh, the hippies who are like the self entitled like uh, real self rich kids jerk. who yeah like just travel around. Yeah, and... they call them wooks. Why? I don't. I still don't. They look like it. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe it's because they look like it. But they they just do all kinds of wook like things. It's kind of like calling them a douchebag. I guess I don't know. I was at the Steely Dan show call last night. A douchebag. I don't know. You could do that. There were no wooks at the uh, Steely Dan. No, there were probably. a lot of uh, there were a lot of retirees. <laughs> there was an older crowd, and they were loaded, and I mean, 
dancing and Money singing. or booze? Bo- booze. People were screaming and stuff. Donald Fagan wow. was trying to talk. It's Heinz Hall, and everyone's like yelling and jumping yeah, up and dancing. Tomorrow they're retired. Yeah, I'll give you the full review in a second. Sorry to keep elongating the introduction oh, of this okay. news. Go ahead. Bill and Hillary Clinton are launching a joint North American talking tour next Ugh. month. Do they even talk to each other? I don't know. Maybe that's why they're doing this. <laughs> the former president and secretary of state will travel to 13 cities across the U.S. and Canada this year and next. The Clintons will start out in Vegas next month. They'll be at Beacon Theater in New York in April and wrap up in May in California. Tickets go on sale Friday morning through Live Nation. I would actually pay to see them talk to each other. I wouldn't. Why not? I've never seen it. Who cares? They're o- they only just speak to you. They don't speak to each other. I really would I'd be fascinated by the small talk that they have. Is there any? There can't be. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I don't think so, but who knows. Uh, disgraced politician Anthony Weiner may be released from federal prison early. The former Wiener. New York congressman Wiener went to prison last year for bad behavior, sexting with a North Carolina 15-year-old, but he's apparently getting out three months early next May for good behavior. Federal Bureau of Prisons says Weiner has been a model inmate while behind bars in Massachusetts. The 54-year-old, known for his online explo- exploits as Carlos Danger, was sentenced to 21 months for sharing lewd photos of himself with an underage girl. An online petition is urging Pittsburgh, urging Pittsburgh Marathon officials to drop Chick-fil-A as its Kids Marathon sponsor. The petition cites what it calls extreme anti-LGBTQ beliefs as its reason to end the partnership. That petition was nearing 1,000 signatures as of last night. An alligator has been found swimming in Lake Michigan. Authorities rescued the four-foot gator after somebody saw it just, you know, cruising around the lake near Waukegan, Illinois. The alligator is being sent to the Wildlife Discovery Center in Lake Forest, Illinois. The reptiles typically live in fresh water from North Carolina to Texas. However, there, of course, are always those isolated reports of people spotting them that someone probably had it as a pet and dumped it. Yeah. People like to get those exotic pets and then can't deal with it. And then they don't realize that it grows up into a full gator. Oh, no. This is way bigger than my aquarium. (laughs) Scientists have discovered that more and more men have been dealing with a big-time decrease in numbers of their little swimmers. Because of this, over the past 15 years, the number of men looking for treatment for fertility problems has increased sevenfold. Not only that, but the quality of those little swimmers has dropped dramatically as well. And the rate of male-related IVF cases has risen and is expected to get higher. But uh, they haven't given a cause for the reduction, they say, though. It does look like the trend will continue with no end in sight. And researchers say it's a public health concern. I know why. Our phones are in our pockets. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. Frying your swimmers. Yeah. Without a doubt. That's why I bought another phone, to keep in both pockets. <laughs> Even it out. You don't yeah. want one side cooked I just more don't, than the other. I just don't want to get the surgery. So I'm, I'm going You're at it. You're zapping them. El natural. And I, <laughs> and I stand in front of a microwave at least twice a week. There's probably an app that you can get that will just make sure it like <laughs> zaps you just the appropriate amount. I don't know. I had a laptop that I used to use all the time back in the day, and I would like put a pillow over it. <laughs> to protect like, yourself. Yeah, he's totally frying me. Are you kidding me? 
Oh, because that's what I still do. <laughs> Are you telling me that don't work? You just shouldn't have that much heat going on for that long at any point in time. Laptops yeah. and phones have fried men's j- junkage. So does fighting. You got Apparently. Take a- I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? <laughs> My balls was hot. I understand. <laughs> I can relate. Let's move on. Do you want to live to be 100? No. People who live to be 100 were asked about their life habits, and they had some conflicting advice. 29% said, ignore traditional advice about your diet, but 25% said, eat healthy. So, conflicting Right. 22% said to stay active. Stay positive was also on the list. Here's another conflict. 16% said they drink alcohol regularly. 12% said don't drink too much and don't smoke. One of the quotes about boozing was from a 111-year-old man. He said, putting a little bourbon in your morning coffee is like medicine. On the side of not drinking, though, a 106-year-old woman said she never drank, never smoked, never cussed, never lied, and never chased cowboys. Maintaining meaningful relationships, always trying to get a good night's sleep, be nice to people, and have faith. Uh, They were also on the list of things that will help you to live to be 100. Be nice to people, even if you can't stand them. Even if you don't want to be 100. Does covering for your coworkers stress you out? A new survey found the average American employee's workload increases by nearly a third when covering for a co-worker. And 53% say covering for a co-worker is stressful. Not only that, but 30%, uh, 37% of workers resent having to deal with a co-worker's tasks while they're on vacation or out of the office. That resentment might explain why 40% of survey respondents said they phoned it in when covering for a co-worker and didn't really care if the job was done very well or not. (laughs) 51% of workers say they should get paid more when covering for a co-worker, uh, but don't hate on that co-worker who's taking time off. 56% of those surveyed said they do feel guilty when they go on vacation and their responsibilities get dumped on somebody else. Oreo cookies are stepping up the cream filling game. We got the Oreos, the Oreo double stuff, and now Oreos are announcing the new most stuff cookies, which will have more cream than any other Oreo cookie ever. I Nobody was asking for that. I like the original ratio. Yeah. I think yeah. it's good. Yeah. Double the stuff double on occasion. Double stuff is too much. Yeah. Yeah. I like they, the regular ratio. They haven't revealed uh, how much cream they're injecting between those two cookies and no word on when they'll come out. But look for the most stuff cookies. Well, the nice. most. No. Stop it, Oreo. The Traveling Wilburys album, Volume 1, is set to be reissued on picture disc vinyl. The limited edition release celebrates a 30th anniversary of the debut album by the supergroup featuring George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, and Jeff Lynne. The 10-track collection includes the band's hits Handle With Care, Last Night, and End of the Line. Special anniversary edition will be available November 2nd. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has announced the nominees for possible induction in 2019. They include The Cure... Def Leppard, Devo, Janet Jackson, Kraftwerk, LL Cool J, MC5, Stevie Nicks, John Prine, Radiohead, Rage Against the Machine, Roxy Music, Rufus and Shaka Khan, Todd Rundgren, and the Zombies. 
Ballots will be sent to an international voting body of more than a thousand artists, historians, and members of the music industry. And once again, voting is open to the public right now through 11.59 p.m. Eastern on December 9th. Go to rockhall.com to place your vote. Voting is capped at one ballot per day, but you can vote every day. Now, the top five artists selected by the public will make up a fans ballot that will be tallied along with the other ballots to choose the 29 indus- uh, 2019 inductees. Uh, they'll be announced in December. The induction is in March, and uh, the show will be taped for broadcast on HBO later next spring. Got to vote for John Pride. John Pride's got to get in there. Get him straight legend. I Go can't believe he's not in there already. Well, he can uh, still do a, an acceptance speech and be hilarious. Go to rockhall.com. Sunny, hot, and humid mid-80s for the high today. It's 72 at DVE. DVE morning show. I went to the Steely Dan concert last night at uh, Heinz Hall. It's always great to go to a show at Heinz Hall. I, I feel weird about them calling it Steely Dan mm-hmm. with no Walter Becker. Yeah. It should just be like Donald Fagan. Yeah. And apparently, I don't know, someone t- uh, told me that the promoters have cajoled him into still using Steely Dan for ticket sale purposes. I don't know. I think everyone would go, uh, you know, knowing it's going to be Keith Carlock and on drums and, you know, the killer band that he always has. He has all these just monster musicians on stage, plus the Danettes, the Steely Dan singers are there. Um, The one funny thing about, I mean, there's a lot of funny things about that show. Steely Dan fans are like rabid. Like they're huge fans. You either love Steely Dan or you don't really care about him. It doesn't seem to be too much in between. And so when I saw the crowd, it was an older crowd. I mean, it was definitely a lot of 60s to 70. And I thought, oh, well, this will be a chill Monday night show. No problem. They were they were raging. He's, I'm telling like, I think they were all beer bonging in the park. I think they had, a, they were all a little tipsy, and it might be because they had dinner at 5.30, Val, and it, <laughs> See? it had been a long time since they'd eaten, and they were just, you know, having a few uh, cocktails and feeling it. But because uh, Donald Fagan is he's he's old man I hadn't realized. Is he seventy? Yeah, I but I is. think he's like a smoking and drinking and used to do a lot of drugs. Seventy, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, hard yeah, living. So like seventy in dog years. He looks like my uncle Jim, and he doesn't like dress to try and get on stage and look like a rock star. You know, he wears his shades and whatever he was wearing that, <laughs> that day, day yeah. you know it's yeah. not got it i was walking around today in this might as well wear it on stage it kind of seemed like he's so great though um he didn't mention walter becker while i was there i left before the encore i felt that was kind of weird too someone told me that he didn't do it last time he was in town i didn't realize he had played here since walker uh, since walter had died but um it felt a little strange. Like I thought he would have said something yeah. like, you know, lo- you know, love you, Walter, and you know, miss Walter, and this was one of his favorites when or we something. Did this, and we, you know. But it's one of those bands where there are some people who want to stand and dance, and others who will never get out of their seat no matter what. So there are certain tunes where people want to get up and boogie. So what ended up happening was about a third of the way into the show. It was like whack-a-mole. Like these like ladies would just pop up and they would just start shaking it all over, you know? And then they would like sit down and then it would pop up somewhere else, you know? It was like all over the place. Just someone. And they had like imagine 
dancing like that in Heinz Hall, and you're the only person around you. Like, there was, like, a bunch of different people That's doing freedom. that. They were like, yeah, just like everybody else is sitting in your immediate vicinity, and they're up dancing. You know, it's, it's somewhat admirable. The one funny thing was, Val, at one point, they feature the uh, the uh, the Danettes, the the girl singers, and they each give them they give them each a verse mm-hmm. of this song, "Dirty Work." This is originally sung by that guy. I don't know, what was he the guy from Bread? I can't remember his name. David Gates. I don't know. Uh, at any rate, it was a great song. So this couple gets up and starts slow dancing to it in the aisle, like oh. right down in front. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, except this is a song about cheating on your husband. <laughs> and this guy well, is maybe like... Maybe that was somebody else's husband. Right. That's <laughs> <It's laughs> the only thing I can think of. <laughs> like, I know it's a nice slow song, but the words are not exactly, you know, lovey-dovey. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Here I am, you know, coming over to have sex with you when your right. husband goes away. That was Dirty Gertie. She just picked <laughs> her man up from the uh, nursing home, headed over. Donald Fagan is funny looking. He's like... Yeah. He just looks like an old bird. <laughs> just kinda like, the kind that tips over and dunks yeah, in the water. Yeah, he just kind of like stumbles around a little bit. He like walks like Ray Charles. Is he blind? No. They were great, though. I had a lot of fun watching them. And uh, I'll tell you what, that band. Oh, yeah, man. The Dan. Steely Dan. They were great last night in Heinz Hall. Donald Fagan, legend. Saw a ton of people there. It was one of those... Uh, you know, everybody. Hey, yeah. Doing? I couldn't get loaded, though, because, you know, the Steeler game was on Sunday, Val. Can't start off the week with a Monday night. With a doubleheader. Uh, no. You know how that's like. You Elton John is tomorrow night. Are you going? I'm not planning on going currently, but that could change. A lot of times I, I try to psych myself out of going to stuff. Because I should probably take a knee once in a while, so I'll be like, it won't be that good. It's super expensive. Legendary night. And then you go and everyone's, yeah. Best show I've ever been ever. Right. And that one's a tough ticket, too. Man, they were expensive, I know, but it's people are having a hard time grabbing tickets. Is this the one where he's doing a two-year goodbye tour or something? Yeah, I mean, he already scheduled another Pittsburgh goodbye show next year, November of 2019. Well, you got to say goodbye twice. Unless Who gets out of there on the first goodbye? I mean, it's all hits. I'm looking at the set list. Don't ruin it. Some people want to be surprised. Spoiler alert. I DVR'd it. Does he play, I guess that's why they call it the blues? No. Oh, yes. That might be the best Elton John song. What? Whoa, <laughs> I knew you were going to get pissed. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a great song, though. And it's also my karaoke go-to. What's your karaoke go-to, Val? I don't, I don't have one. You don't have one? I don't. What are you going to do in a karaoke emergency? <laughs> Wing it. Oh, my God. How Here's do you live like that? Yeah, How do you not have one in know. your back pocket? How do people walk around without know. a karaoke song? I don't have one. Frequent you people are nice. not. You're playing with fire. I don't sing. You're playing with fire, Dickie. You've, you've heard the, the, the pirates fight songs. <laughs> they were bad. I'm not a singer. <laughs> yeah. Mike's got your sports when we return. Nice to see Freeze uh, getting to celebrate last night, huh? 
He used to be on our. <laughs> He's shaking. <laughs> Son of a. <laughs> Your uh, Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week is the Pub at Tony Dale in Oakdale. Three dollars, sixteen ounce Bud Light draft during all Steeler games. The Pub at Tony Dale. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Mike's got your sports coming up next here on the DVE Morning Show. Weird news about Antonio Brown. I'm not sure if this was sort of the the start of everything that happened. Well, we'll check the timeline and see what's uh, going on here. News of the lawsuit of him endangering a child. Because he threw furniture out of the 14th floor of an, a, a condo, mm-hmm. and it almost killed a kid who was 22 months old? Well, it didn't hit the kid, but landed about a foot away, I guess, according to the lawsuit. Man. It's totally messed up. Okay, the latest on that and more coming up. Quote. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike. Good stuff from Cam Hayward this morning on his weekly appearance here with the DVE Morning Show. One of the subjects broached was how well quarterback Joe Hayden did against Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones in the Steelers' 41-17 victory over the Falcons last Sunday at Heinz Field. Hayden following Jones, left side, right side. He did not line up against Jones when Jones was in the slot, but he had Jones a lot of the time, and... Julio Jones wasn't a factor. Julio Jones, one of those big, physical, fast receivers. A lot Mm -hmm. like the Bengals' A.J. Green. That's the guy, or one of the guys the Steelers are going to have to deal with this Sunday in Cincinnati. And uh, Cam Hayward suggested, hey, if it worked against Julio Jones regarding Joe Hayden, it can certainly work against A.J. Green. You know, I think uh, it'd be wise to have Joe follow A.J. just because, uh, you know, those are both. Two two good talents, and uh, you know Joe's played AJ so many times. He knows uh, his favorite spots, and I think last time Joe and AJ matched up here, Joe Joe I think followed him around, and you know I think AJ had like three catches, and uh, we kept him in check. Uh, but uh, you know we're gonna need some of that this week because they're a good team. Yeah, Cam Hayward was referencing the game last October here at Heinz Field. A 29-14 Steelers victory over the Bengals. Hayden did not have Green all the time in that game. Had him a lot of the time. Green ended up with three catches for 41 yards. Hayden had an interception. It was his first with the Steelers. Joe Hayden didn't play in the December game in Cincinnati last year. He was injured. But uh, A.J. Green wrote a story for the Players' Tribune, which was published last September the 7th, and he listed the five toughest cornerbacks he's ever faced. And, Joe Hayden was number two on the list behind Patrick Peterson. A.J. Green talked about uh, Joe Hayden having, quote, the longest arms I've ever seen on a corner his size. Hayden's only 5'11", but he's got reach. And he also talked about uh, Hayden having four brothers. Quote, you know a guy's going to be super competitive when he's got four brothers. That's a, I like that. Uh, more uh, A.J. Green on Joe Hayden from last September. When you line up against Joe, he's going to be laying hands on you all day. He's going to initiate contact off the line with a quick stab to try to throw off your timing and then try to ride your back the whole way. Joe knows if he can just disrupt your first two steps off the line, he's got you. He's probably the best there is at knocking you off your route just a little bit, just enough where the ball is a half second early or a half second late. This is the kind of stuff that doesn't always make the highlights, but you appreciate that as a player. I... I'm impressed that A.J. Green is that uh, eloquent in his uh, appraisal of uh, Hayden's game. That's cool. I, I, I don't know anything about A.J. Green other than he's a Bengal, so I assume. He's really good. He, yeah. Oh, no, he's awesome. Yeah. 
But you just hate him, and I hate him, and assume that he was just a troglodyte. Yeah, yeah. So to hear him talking about breather, right? Yeah, perfect. Well, there you go. He's not Adam Jones. He's not a mouth breathing troglodyte. Right. Uh, You know how Andy Dalton and AJ Green, if developed together, is similar to Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. A couple, three times in that Cincinnati game, much less furniture throwing, but yes, Dalton got chased out of the pocket, and Green. Can pick up when that's happening, and he knows where to go. Once uh, plays can break down, and those guys can still hook up because they're they have each other figured out, and uh, that's one of the reasons why you know it's so important for Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown to get back on that kind of telekinetic groove or back in that sort of I know where you're going when you're going where you're going kind of deal. Um, be two fun matchups to follow uh, Sunday when the Steelers visit Riverfront Stadium. Cam Hayward also telling us this morning on the DV Morning Show that he expects Vince Williams to be back at inside linebacker and he expects the communication to be as good in Cincinnati as it was against Atlanta. You know, Vince is a, a, a great communicator, um, but with that done, with him gone, it fo- it made everybody focus and say, we all have to communicate. Uh-huh. It, wasn't just one guy, it wasn't just one guy communicating. It was multiple guys. Um, and you got to do that on a regular basis. When Vince gets back, and I'm pretty sure it'll be the, this week, I think, we have to all communicate. We all have to be, um, you know, use our hand signals, and, you know, continue to use them throughout the game so everybody can line up. I would certainly start Vince Williams if he is healthy. In Cincinnati, but if I'm Mike Tomlin or Keith Butler, I am sure as hell considering playing LJ Fort in the sub package stuff. Because man, was he good! I was really impressed with his athleticism. Man, he's fast. Yeah, and he he, he made the right reads for the most part. He got in the backfield. He disrupted. Uh, that touchdown was a nice reward from him for him falling on uh, the fumble created by T.J. Watt at the end of the game. Uh, but Missy Matthews was asking him which one he liked better: the the sack or the fumble. Recovery, and he said the sack because that took them out of field goal range, and that yeah. took points off the board, and that was a more, you know, his effort. And he said the other one, he just fell on. Yeah, but still, both well, he got there. One took points off the board. One put points on the board. Both are good things. Maybe uh, that's the way they fix this defense: is just get a lot more guys involved, and uh, you know, everybody does what they can when they can, and it all adds up. Uh, Steelers at the Bengals on Sunday. Last but not least, uh, got to revisit uh, our chat with Gene Steratore. He gave us the official interpretation as he characterized it, uh, what this roughing the passer stuff looks like from the referee's lens. And then he also gave us what should be the Pittsburghese response. The Pittsburgh answer is, all right, everybody just take a breath. Chill out, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Fellas, we got the W. Corner ran well. He's running. He's catching. Big Ben runs for two first downs. He's thinner. He's getting around the edge. He's thinner. We got the W. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody, the sky ain't falling here, all right? The refs ain't going to ruin the game or the season. Everything's going to be all right. (laughs) Tuesday's becoming my favorite day around here. Uh, somebody asked me yesterday at uh, at the concert, "Is Gene Steratore on tomorrow?" Yeah, people love him, man. I just I, I'm actually glad that he's not refereeing anymore because those of us in the uh, industry have known him for a long time around here, 
and know what a, what a funny and personable and uh, articulate guy he is. And he's just a lot of fun to talk to. I'm glad everybody's getting to know Gene through his visits on our show. Oh, yeah. Not that there's, there are probably few people in Western Pennsylvania that didn't know him already, but you get to hear him on a regular basis talking ball, and that's, that's good stuff. Mike Pursuta, sports on DVE tonight. Steeler Huddle is back, 7-8 to eight for with Jerry Dulac, Dale Lawley, and Steelers defensive end, Stephon Tuitt. Make sure to tune in for that. Happy for Drew Brees. Yes. And if Dan Marino would have played in these <laughs> uh, new rules, he, he would, would have, have every, every record. record. But he didn't, and Drew Brees is now your all-time NFL passing leader at 72,103 yards after a 363-yard night in the Saints' 43-19 victory over the Redskins last night. It was, uh, as Twitter pointed out, Randall, it was, in fact, Columbus Day. The Redskins, the Indians, and the Braves all got slaughtered. Do you have to say slaughtered? It's the glee with which you say it. That's it's really... That's just funny. Don't you think that's funny? I, I rock. Too soon, Columbus? Too soon. 1492? <laughs> yeah. Too soon. Wait in 600 more years, at least. <laughs> it's going to be hot, but then you'll be able to really, you know, no one will care about that joke. <laughs> I mean, what were the odds? The, the Indians, the Redskins, and the Braves, all the same. <laughs> what were the odds? I don't know, but if you had them, you could bet in a casino. <laughs> it's on a reservation. I have reservations about a lot of what's going on right now. I think I've told you before that my parents uh, are getting to the age where, like, everything in their house is, is broken. <laughs> like, we play chess. What do you mean? Like, just every... There's six pieces missing from our chess set, <laughs> so we replace them with pieces from my mom's nativity scene. <laughs> yeah, right. We're, we're playing chess yeah. with a Virgin Mary, goats, <laughs> wise men. My Uncle Cheech, you know, it's like Uncle Earl, that's a pawn. You're not supposed to move him backwards. That's the son of God, boy. You can move him whatever the hell he wants to do. You show a little respect. It's his birthday. Jesus takes the queen on his birthday. Fella can walk on water. He can damn well move backwards. I'll tell you that right now. And they're fighting over, uh, this has been going on for about five years. Five years they've been fighting over the dryer. Uh, my mom says we need a new dryer. My dad says we don't. And the fights are just getting more <laughs> and more intense. And for a while, I've said, uh, I think the next logical step is they're going to start taking out political attack ads against each other. <laughs> <laughs> Colleen Warren wants a new dryer. We don't need a new dryer. <laughs> Colleen Warren wants to waste our money. Money that could be spent on a new security system for this home. <laughs> Colleen Warren wants terrorists to invade our home. This ad was paid for by me because I'm the one with the damn job in this house. <laughs> Jerry Warren says the dryer isn't broken. Just like he said the air conditioner wasn't broken, the car wasn't broken, and our son Greg's arm wasn't broken. <laughs> Haven't we had enough of Jerry Warren? This ad was paid for by Jerry Warren, and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> Rock of Ages. Pyromania, Def Leppard. Hey, we got a uh, tailgate giveaway situation for you here. We're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to the late night tailgate on uh, October 17th at the Byam Theater. Bill Crawford will be a part of the late night tailgate. It's yes, a I will. topical and unpredictable live comedy and sports discussion show with Steve Ranazzisi. 
comedian Steve Ranzisi, who was, uh, wasn't he on The League? Yes, mm-hmm. he was. Uh, also, uh, Sage Rosenfels. She was on SportsCenter. He's on... She? No, it's a he. It's, it's, a, it's a former quarterback. Iowa State. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was uh, a sportscaster for ESPN. <laughs> you might want to learn Steel. that before you get on stage with them. Sage Steele is Sage the... Sage Steele. Different Sage. Sage Rosenfels was a quarterback. There's not a lot of Sages, guys. Played for the Vikings Sorry, and the I pros, the didn't he? the rock of Sages. Wasn't he... Uh, <laughs> He was, was in the league for a little bit. I remember from Iowa State. Vikings, I believe. He was pretty bad in the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah but he's good got, on stage. You, you guys got mad at me right then, like I just got Brett Favre's name wrong or something. No, you didn't. No, but... Sage Rosenfels. He was drafted by the Redskins in the 2001 NFL draft. I know he played for the Texans. And he played for the Dolphins, Texans, Vikings, Giants, Dolphins, Vikings. Couldn't hold a job. Nope. But he has this one. He can hold a microphone. <laughs> Our friend Sarah Tiano will be there as well, and uh, a super funny comedian. And so this is going to be a fun show. We're giving away tickets to that right now. It'll be caller number 33 at 333-WDVE. When is that? The Tomorrow? 18th. Oh, the 18th. The same night as Metallica? Mm, 17th. 17th. <laughs> God, I'm terrible at this. Saturday Night Live co-head writer Brian Tucker will provide creative direction for the show. It'll be a great time. And, uh, hey, Tequio Spikes is going to be on there. Tequio Spikes. Really? I'm sorry. What was that name? Tequio Spikes. Dude, he was badass. Sounds like a pretty cool concert. Oh, yeah. He was a bangle. Is and it a like a round table thing? He always sounded like an Italian dad trying to tell you to take your cleats out of the room. Tequio Spikes take and go Kia up at the room. <laughs> Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. So B caller number uh, 33 right now. Happy Sunday. At uh, 333-WDVE. All right, that'll be cool. And that's the night before Metallica. So you got a busy week next week, Wonderful. Buster. What night is that? Wednesday. Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Wow. 40 years ago on this day, Sports Illustrated on the cover, Terry Bradshaw arguing with an official. <laughs> and the uh, the headline... Your, your recording of I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry sucks? <laughs> no. <laughs> the refs. Uproar in the NFL. Darren Ravel tweeting that out. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Has there ever been a time in the NFL where they've been like, oh, you know what? The refs, they're, they're pretty they're good. really good. Glad we have them. God, um, that was a great officiated game. Never, ever, ever. Because if ever. it's good, you say nothing. Right. That's right. It's just not talked about. Because it's expected. Okay. Uh, that's it for us for today. Michelle's coming up next. She has the electric lunch at noon. And uh, tomorrow on, on the show, we have uh, Merrill Hodge, Mark Madden, also Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle. Thanks to Cam Hayward, Charlie Batch, and Gene Steratore for hanging out with us today. Michelle's up next. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.